Welcome back to the Ruthless Aggressive Podcast, episode number 56. Um, um, I can't wait to introduce my guest for that. We'll hop right into it. Got a lot to break down on this one, so we'll get straight into it. I'll introduce my guest. You can find him here on the North South Connection doing the extreme three way dance with uh, JT and Jenny. You also find him on the Place to Be Asia Wrestling feed doing a lot of podcasts with me, I've realized. I never really thought about it. Um, <laughs> Matt Souza, who is my guest. I've never thought about him. Matt. We low-key do quite a few pods together. Maybe I, I guess I don't make the connection as much because most of them are, well, they all are pretty much ensembles. But um, we've developed quite a few podcasts that we do together. It's a lot, Jake. Uh, thank you for having me, as always. Good to be here. Uh, yes, we do, in fact, uh, do a lot of uh, pods uh, together on the Place to Be Nation wrestling feed. And uh, tonight is another one. I believe this is my third time here on Ruthlessly Aggressive. So I'm part of the mm-hmm. uh, the three-timers club. Do I get a jacket or something once I hit five, like SNL? Or um, You get the pleasure of watching 2003 Raw. So someone oh. call that a penance that you have to pay. <laughs> I I would have rather just said Hail Marys, but, you know, it is what it is. It's getting to the point where I've been doing it long enough, like over 50 episodes where it's like, so you've been on, like you said, this will be your third time. But then I can tell, I can always tell by the, whenever I start the call for us to record how long it's been. And like, so it's been six months. So we did the, since we did the last one. So it's okay. weird because I've done so many now that you're like, man, I'm on here a lot, but then it's also been six months. Right. You're on the pod. So it's, um. It's interesting in that way, but, um, so, uh, since the last time you're here, we were in 2003 raw. So, um, not always the most, you know, um, <laughs> people don't always look back at 2003 with the fondest of memories. Um, <laughs> were you still watching pretty regularly at this point? I know uh, I asked this when we were in 2002, but I do th- feel more 2003 maybe gets into some people's blind spots, maybe. 
So at this point, I still wasn't really watching regularly. I, I didn't watch m- much of 2002 when it happened, and I didn't really get back into uh, watching wrestling regularly until the summer of 03. So like, I know like the big stuff that happens, but as far as like the week to week stuff, it's very similar to how I am with ECW actually. Like the week to week stuff from this era I'm not too familiar with, but I know like the big stuff that happens. So it's been uh, it's been it's interesting to follow along and uh it was interesting to watch these episodes here. Right. It, it, we'll get into it. Uh because like I said, we have a lot we actually have quite a few news notes to get to on this one. Uh every some weeks I don't have much that's really too interesting, but this one I found was pretty juicy as far as what we had to go through and the old wrestling observer and whatever news we have there. So um yeah, we'll jump right into it and uh and see what's happening here in early 03. So um uh so as you probably know from watching these, Matt, that the big uh, one of the big angles on Raw right now is the return or possible return of steve austin and so they did the whole thing where he gave this interview in a ww in raw magazine i should say and so we get a breakdown of what actually he said in there so it says that austin gave what appeared to be his legitimate reasons for being frustrated dating back to wrestlemania 17 but the only names he specifically targeted with being upset were both rock and triple h his two most likely um Next opponents and what clearly attempts to make people think his heat with them was legit while building up their program. So the point of this is that, like you would expect in an interview like this, they kind of kind of go 50-50 here where it's kind of mm-hmm. like some of this is probably legitimately Austin like shooting, giving some reasons why he's kind of, you know, a little bit disgruntled, but also working it a bit to where if he is going to be making a return, which we know he is kind of setting up any kind of possible feuds that they may want to target in his return. Like, um, like they, they mentioned that some of his legitimate concerns in here with, um, tell me if this sounds familiar, the interviews being too scripted by people with little knowledge and they aren't just giving the veterans who could do promos bullet points and letting them use their own feelings. So <laughs> that sounds familiar, Matt. <laughs> Boy, the more things change, huh? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Right. <laughs> Fucking 20 years ago, the same complaints. Good God. <laughs> <laughs> right. So so he kind of ventures that maybe Vince let him say that, but that definitely sounds like more of a um, Austin legitimate shoot comment. But then he goes into more of, uh, you know, talk, kind of doing shoot comments about, you know, uh, Triple H saying that Triple H is, I think he said something about him being bloated or something, which is kind of funny. <laughs> I guess maybe alluding to him being roided up. But yeah, well. just kind of talking shit about, <laughs> talking shit about Rock and Triple H. And he kind of goes into the maybe his somewhat failed heel turn or what could be seen as a failed heel turn and mm-hmm. all of that kind of stuff and how triple h got injured it just kind of goes through all that but uh it's, it's definitely interesting to see uh and i'm sure it did i'm sure it helped the magazine certainly at this point oh i would Im- i mean raw magazine was more of the magazine that would slant towards that type of stuff anyway like they'd have if i remember right they w- that was the magazine that had like the long form interviews that would kind of like toe the line of kayfabe and real type of stuff and i mean mm-hmm. look if, if austin's doing a long interview for raw magazine it's obvious he's coming back <laughs> so i mean not ex- not exactly a surprise Right. It would definitely make the last few weeks of Raw quite a shit show. Right. And as we'll see, um, we'll, we'll see in this Raw, they may be milking it more than they should. Mm-hmm. Uh, a bit where it could frustrate the audience as we get into the episode. Um, 
But um, so look, you're uh, your neck of the woods here, man. Extreme Theory Dance. More than two years after the company ran its final show, the state of extreme championship wrestling looks to be close to settling, barring a legal challenge or an unexpected bidder for an upcoming auction. Trusty Barbara Balaber Strauss, how's that for um, a name? <laughs> a division of acclaim, which was awarded the company's like that is always like the weirdest thing to me. How acclaim got right. the rights to like ECW stuff because I guess they owed them money, but they reached a deal with WWE that resulted in WWE buying ECW for. You want to take any guess? You want to take a shot in the dark at what this number is, Matt? Oh, let's see. Now, I'm assuming this includes everything, right? Sort of like the yeah, WCW. The interlo- right. The intellectual property and video rights of ECW. So if WCW was three and a half million in 2001-ish, uh, I'll say ECW was around two, two and a half million would be my guess. You're in the ballpark. 1.87 million. So yeah, about mm-hmm. two here. So. Uh, which good for ECW, considering WCW was certainly a much bigger right. company. Right. So good for them. Um, and so then they get into the question becomes why is WC WWE willing to pay? Kind of comparing it like if you if you paid two point five or whatever for WCW, why would you pay almost the same amount for ECW? Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I, and they kind of venture here a lot of um, you know, what do you call that like? foreshadowing in uh, these news notes and it says that it could be because wwe would have the rights to launch an ecw brand in the future if they wanted to mm. imagine that, that that would make some sense yeah and also it says the company has always said that they weren't interested in starting a 24-hour wrestling channel <laughs> although moves like this as well as aggressively trying to purchase other video rights from other defunct promotions like awa admits out wrestling would bring would bring on such rumors. So imagine if they just bought all these things so they could have some kind of uh, service that people would pay monthly, Matt, to uh, yeah. to be able to see this footage. Uh, I, I don't know. That'll never work. I'll, I'll stick with the, the DVDs and the VHS tapes. I, I don't think a streaming service will work. It just amazes me that this was kind of already be like, I mean, credit to them and their, I guess, their business people for this far back understanding like the value of, owning just rights to content how big of a deal that would become in the next couple of decades oh yeah I mean, now. especially for like that cheap i mean for for around five million bucks you get everything wcw and ecw i mean if if you have the money i mean that's that's five million bucks is nothing for wwe you might as well spend it you know and, and like wasn't it the story like the first that ecw dvd they first came out with like made up like two or three times more than what they paid for all of ECW. Yeah. That, that rise and fall DVD that came out, I want to say it was right around Christmas. Oh, four. I think that came out. I mean, that thing did gangbusters like all my, at the time it came out, I was definitely back in the fold fully. I mean, all my friends I knew that were wrestling fans had that DVD, had to get it day one. I was one of them. I mean, like if you were even a minor fan of ECW, you were buying it. That, that set made gangbusters for them. And it kind of led to the reunion show a year later. So. Of all the things you could say about WWE, um, if you're just talking about purely business, I mean, it's hard to, I mean, they usually kind of know what they're doing as far mm-hmm. as, you know, these kind of business things. But um, 
Let's move to a little bit more absurdity here. So we have, um, I, I believe we watched a match from this promotion on our on our other pod, YouTube Roulette Map. But WWA, Andrew McManus's WWA is playing a three-day tour of Australia from 5-2 through 5-4 using mainly the TNA guys and a few of the guys he had on the last tour. The players to tape a pay-per-view for the U.S., uh, blah, 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 tour through February. The, the main point I'm getting to is that I want you to listen to this um, this lineup here. Is getting some ch- publicity built around Sting, Lex Luger, Nathan Jones, and Jeff Jarrett. <laughs> Which one of those doesn't belong? <laughs> Holy shit. What a murderous <laughs> row there. Good Apparently, luck. they really are going to use Bagwell or Luger again after all the problems on the European tour. Uh, TNA has some television exposure and may help them. So I just thought it was funny to be <laughs> like your your lineup here is Sting, Luger, Nathan Jones, and Jeff Jarrett. What a... <laughs> It's a Mount yeah. Rushmore of professional wrestling. What <laughs> <laughs> president would Nathan Jones be? He'd be like, um, this is the one that died like 10 days in office. Yeah, McKin- he's, Mc- he's the McKinley. <laughs> he's go. the president of Bogger Road. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So not relevant to anything to do with WWE, but this just abused me. Bob Backlund, 53, has recently opened up a bail bonds business in December. <laughs> Backlund who failed to run for the U.S. House of Representatives in 2000, claimed that the people he has bailed out are more honest than politicians. <laughs> in the same <laughs> newspaper article, he also claimed to have done an MMA match in Japan five years ago where he lost in 30 minutes. So if we can dig that one up for YouTube, oh, realize, that's a must-watch. <laughs> the Bob uh, no, Macklin MMA match. I got, I'll, I'll do some digging. <laughs> I got I to find that. Imagine dealing with Bob Backlund for your um your bail bond. Backlund's bail bonds. <laughs> Good lord, he becomes like Dog the Bounty Hunter, basically hunting people <laughs> for their money. <laughs> oh oh god, I, I would pay for that. Give me yeah. that streaming service. <laughs> um, uh, Psycho Sid, Sid Udy. Is that you say? I've always is it Sid Udy? His I last name. I th- I've never heard it said, but the way it's spelled, it kind of s- seems like that's the way you say it, but I have zero idea. <laughs> well, Psycho Sid, who has talked about making a comeback, is currently working on an independent horror film called Stranded in Lula, Georgia. Yudi is the star of the movie in which the rest of the cast are members of the local high school drama <laughs> class. This, this is... Uh, <laughs> Uh, I tried to find more info about this film, but I really, if anybody who listens to this has any leads, anyone from Lula, Georgia, who was, went to high school around um, the early 2000s and knows any way you can get any footage of this um, Sid horror film, please, I, please, I, I will pay I richly. <laughs> I said this in our chat earlier. Uh, if there isn't a scene in that movie with Sid playing softball, then what are we even doing? <laughs> He's like a deranged softball. Right. It's it's in his writer. I must play softball in at least one part of this movie, or I'm not doing it. Imagine um, if like The Rock and Sid like switched, and like Sid became the Hollywood <laughs> like a phenomenon. Boy, like the superstar. Fast and Furious would be very different. <laughs> Amazing, <laughs> Moana. What can I say? You're welcome. <laughs> Who's the man? <laughs> anyway, uh, Nathan Jones did an interview on WWE on the WWE website in response to the Australian article 
Uh, he admitted an Australian article. He admitted to eight armed robberies in Australia. He claimed he never broke handcuffs, but did tear about a dozen cell doors off their hinges and punch through a lot of cell windows. He told stories about them attempting to gas him to subdue him when he Jesus. broke out of solitary confinement. And the story he claimed to have never done steroids in his life and that he naturally looked like he does. He claimed his pre previous admissions of steroid use were in sentencing hearings. When he tried to use the idea of being on steroids and roid rage to get a lighter sentence, and it didn't work anyway. Um, the story about him having a mammary gland at one point he admitted to, saying it was because he himself produced so much testosterone while going through puberty that he developed a small female breast that he had <laughs> surgically removed. It was basically uh, gynomastia, which is attributed to taking testosterone, but many wrestlers have had incorrectly used steroids or simply been unlucky, had developed an <laughs> underwent surgery removed. He said the story that they produced that they produced milk was an exaggeration, <laughs> which he figured. Anyway, it was a colorful story, and yeah, there you go. <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Christ, there's a lot the, to unpack there, there. There should be some vignettes about him. Nathan Jones, the beast of Bugger Road. Of my Bugger Road. Road breast. <laughs> I produce so much testosterone that I have. <laughs> there's there's a lot to, <laughs> There's a lot to unpack there. It just kept us that that whole thing uh, paragraph you just said just kept escalating. Where do you even start with that? The eight robberies, the 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 growing a tit. I mean, the ripping the cell door off his hinges. There's a lot there. Do you believe that Nathan Jones uh, was not on steroids? It was just he didn't naturally produce that much testosterone, like yeah, a human you, steroid. Uh, <laughs> I I think he was uh, he was all natural. That he that was uh, sheer protein. You know, uh, boneless, skinless chicken breast. That's all he ate. Yeah, ephedra uh, <laughs> never met that man's bloodstream. Of course, just a yeah. high protein diet and the extra testosterone produced Absolutely. by his freakish body that forced the breast. <laughs> Uh, and finally, um, WWE sent a cease and desist letter to a Texas independent promotion on February 1st in Texas City, Texas, where Dale Wolf was scheduled to perform as Doink the Clown in front of 60 fans. Even though WWE hasn't used the character in, the character in years and Wolf has used the Doink, Doink gimmick in Southwestern Indies forever, the company decided to protect its mark since it owns the rights to the name. Wolf ended up wrestling without a costume as himself. So there you go. Texas City Doink added to the list, man. Good lord. It's sending a cease and desist to poor, poor fucking Dale Wolf who just wants to make some money wrestling in front of 50 people. Good lord, you petty bastards. <laughs> Imagine Dale Wolf at his, I'm sure, very humble house. Of um, course. Getting the cease and desist from McDivitt. Yeah. Here, here's, the 20, here's the 20 bucks I made for this show, you fucks. Now go away. <laughs> we know you've been um, gallivanting as doink. Please stop. Uh, this is the WWE's intellectual property. Look, we'll let uh, Alabama Doink do his thing because he's very entertaining. But Texas Doink is one bridge too far. Um, and as we, that's our last one. As we get into the show's movie, there's a Bandera Doink too. As Bandera will play mm -hmm. key role in Raw. So, all right. So quite the 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 potpourri of news notes there. Now, again, most of them not really relevant to what the podcast is about, but they're just too good to miss with the. Uh, Bob Backlund and Sid and Nathan Jones's boob. Um, yeah. But with that, we we'll hop right into Raw here. So this will be the February third, two thousand three Raw. We are live from DC at the MCI Center in the old uh, WCW haunt. Um, a lot of big WCW shows. Is their Starcade uh, their their main Starcade venue for a while? I think they're in their in their hot time. But 
Um, so, but who is not in D.C. is Eric Bischoff because he is on the way to Stone Cold's house, or so he thinks, in the greater San Antonio area, San Antonio, San Antonio, not San Antonio Holmes, <laughs> of the, uh, <laughs> uh, and San Antonio, to uh, he's out looking for Stone Cold. So he's leaving old Chief Morley in charge here. He's having a lot of trouble getting service here. So I guess they're trying to get over these out in the boonies of Texas on his little silver Nokia phone here. <laughs> um, they do a whole thing. It's like a whole minute of them going, hello, hello, can you hear me? <laughs> and then so Val's bad. like, oh, can you hear me, can you hear me? Like, they just keep going back and forth. It was like the, it was like the worst recreation of the Verizon commercial ever, and it, it was the fucking camera cuts they were doing back and forth. Oh god, it was awful. They were just uh, cutting back and forth. Hello, hello, hello. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Oh, hell of a way to kick off this show. <laughs> right. So Morley's going to be in charge, and we will, of course, this Eric thing is going to be a thread that we follow sh- throughout the show. So we'll check back with Eric in a while. So I'm sure people were hooked right from the beginning, tuning in here <laughs> to see uh, Eric in Texas. Um, but back in the arena, who starts this out is going to be a test with Stacy, who was making a return after her horrific injury. So, look, I mean, I get what they're doing. She got blasted with a chair or whatever, but, like, they're kind of overselling it even for that. Like, JR saying that he had nightmares. Like, <laughs> like he's acting like she got decapitated or something like <laughs> She was murdered in the ring. Like, JR, he's, he, he can't get over it. Uh, she thanks everyone for support, but now she wants to move on. She just wants an apology from Jericho. Tess grabs the mic and said he is not as forgiving. Um, he quote, either you apologize or I come back there and beat an apology out of your ass. So kind of <laughs> odd phrasing there from Tess. Yeah. Uh, you're not the smoothest on the mic here. Um, Jericho then comes out and says he, he he blows it off and talks about his plan to go to WrestleMania, which I thought was some good Jericho. He'll work just completely ignoring it as his first thing that he says. Um, <laughs> and he's only worried about beating beating uh, Steiner. He tells Jericho to be uh, – sorry, he tells Tess to be a big boy and move on. <laughs> as Tess gives some tough words, he gets jumped by Christian, and Stacy ends up getting smacked again in the process. Christian was dressed like uh, Dexter here. He had, like, cargo pants <laughs> and, like, a Henley on. I guess it's part of his sneak attack. I don't know, but – uh, Tess recovers. He beats it, just beats the absolute shit out of Christian, and that is how we open the show. So they're really trying to push this uh, Tess and Jericho feud. Uh, it's just tough for Tess here to try and hang on the mic with Jericho, who is just on another level from poor Tess, unfortunately, with his odd phrasing of uh, "I'm going to beat an apology out of your ass." Just uh, yeah, maybe not the hottest way to start off raw, man. No, it's it's definitely a weird way to start off Raw, but I mean, I kind of get what they're doing here. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but Test has pretty much been a non-factor since the Un-Americans <laughs> split up. So, I mean, p- putting him in there with Jericho is, is kind of a big deal. So maybe they're trying to to boost him a little bit, and that's why they put him with Stacy. Basically, he's 1998 Mark Marrow <laughs> is what I'm getting at. Stacy's <laughs> yes, getting yep. Stacy's getting the pop, and he just happens to be there for it type of deal. But I mean, yeah, his mic work uh, certainly not the best, and uh, quite the weird way to open Raw. I, I feel like usually Raw opens up with you know either Eric Bischoff, who obviously is busy, or you know Triple H is, is going to be doing other stuff uh, tonight. Usually it opens with one of them, but to open it up with, I mean, what is kind of a mid card act is kind of different, and uh, I don't know if it necessarily worked here. It was fine, but. 
I don't know, not the best way to open this show. Uh, I need someone to isolate Jr. saying, uh, "quote All these testicles are here tonight." <laughs> I need someone to I, I need someone to isolate that audio for me, please. If if you're oh, good with that, uh, shoot me a DM. <laughs> uh, uh, Jericho has the chin, the the extremely long chin beard with the elastic band. <laughs> In, in the uh, in it, it that is that is the most uh, 2003 look I've ever seen. But yeah, uh, this sure was an opening segment of Raw. <laughs> so right, like I thought the heel heat was solid when they do the when mm-hmm. Christian comes on they sneak it out. But yeah, it doesn't play to test strengths. I don't think like he's just very no. wooden on the mic. I don't think you're going to get him over doing this. And it's just hard not to think this is a holdover for Jericho as he mm-hmm. gears up for for Sean pretty soon so there's that part right. too so all right we carry on we have rvd and kane uh and they discuss why kane left in the match last week and it's because he lost his mask rvd jokes that um he asked him what is he spider-man kane is not amused he says that not everyone can be cool like rvd and he's uh he doesn't know him and doesn't know what he's been through uh things get tense here until chief morley intervenes and he decides to put them in a singles match uh I guess to kind of get them to work through this. Uh, and so we're going to have a battle of the, uh, the triple H jobbers here, Matt, <laughs> the two victims of late 2002 triple H. Uh, look, maybe, uh, maybe this will be a good match. Who can say, I mean, we, we, we don't know if it's going to be good or not at this point, but it, it is kind of uh, interesting. Cause they've kind of been teaming already at this point that mm. they just kind of, it, it's a very heel thing to do a heel uh, authority figure thing to do to book uh, two friends in a match like this when they have a, uh, a kerfuffle and, uh, uh, yeah, it's interesting. We'll see if it's any good. We'll see if it goes anywhere. Uh, RVD calling Kane Spider-Man is uh, something uh, that was <laughs> kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, RVD, I think, felt pretty proud of that one, too. If you look at his face after he said, that, like, I just thought of that by myself. <laughs> Great, RVD. Nice work. And uh, uh, Chief Morley looks an awful lot like Val Venus, don't you think? Uh, maybe it's just me, but he's like yeah. Val Venus with none of the charisma. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah yeah where do you spider-man he's like no um i was horrifically burned actually that's why i'm wearing the mask scrub uh, i wasn't bit by a spider rob i was in a fire you jerk <laughs> <laughs> um we then see test and stacy leave and uh i'm assuming test cadillac maybe it's a rental i don't know but i guess they're frustrated and they leave so mm. that is that um so uh, this is a weird thing, too, just like we said about the Open. So we, of course, are watching on the old Peacock. So we got the the version that came in correctly. But apparently when this aired live, JR does this whole thing where they have to explain how the whole segment with Erica at the beginning got played in Spanish. So, like, <laughs> anybody who tuned in like, has no idea what's going on because apparently his whole opening segment about looking for Stone Cold came through in Spanish. So he started to give a summary and be like, Oh, so uh, we're live, and uh, it came through in Spanish, but just to let you know, Eric's looking for Stone Cold in Texas. <laughs> I'm just imagining turning this on. It's just in Spanish. People are like, is this part of the show? Is this right. like a thing? I mean, I know they're in Texas, but this is kind of racist to do this in Spanish, isn't it? Like... <laughs> Oh, I, I, I want to see the original. I want to see the original video of that for sure, because it must be something. <laughs> so he, uh, he gets everyone up to speed in case they caught it in Spanish. And then we head um, to the ring where it's going to be the Dudleys versus Three Minute Warning, continuing like the strife between Three Minute Warning, who are, I guess, kind of like Chief Morley's heavies to some extent. But um, 
it's weird too. They come out for the entrance here and they play the same dub song for both entrances, which was weird. Cause um, mm-hmm. I don't know what the Dudley had at this point. I don't know if it was drop the bombshell maybe, but whatever it is, they can't, um, I guess they can't play the Dudley song, but anyway, they play the same dub for both teams, which is a little odd. Yeah. I, uh, it might've been the saliva song at this point. Cause I know they had that saliva theme for a bit. That that that's my only guess is that it was that because I mean I feel like all the other ones were pretty much WWE produced weren't they? Yeah, probably so. Um, but yeah, it's just weird that they they didn't even bother to change it for no. Whenever three minute warning comes out, and um, so Rico has been assigned our guest ref. So continuing to stack the deck against the Dudleys. Um, so the, they go in um. At, we start the match off pretty basic stuff. Rosie goes for like a Rob Van Dam split legged moonsault, was just a wild <laughs> spot for Rosie to attempt out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. As um, you know, three minute warning don't do a whole lot of impressive stuff for the ring, but um, uh, we get a doomsday device uh, by the Dudleys, but Rico hits the slow count, so they're not able to win on that. Um, Jr. says that he feels that there may be some collusion. So, yeah, I think probably so. <laughs> Jr. Yeah, thank, thank, thanks, 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 Jr. Appreciate it. <laughs> uh, and then three minute warning, get a roll up, and Rico fast counts it. The match was all of ninety seconds. It was just another screw job by Morley and his goons to screw over the Dudleys. You know, just to push along this feud of the Office versus the Dudleys. So, really, not much of a match. Just match, just more to get that. Angle over. I ended up going to half a star, man, just because I thought the Dudley sitting that kind of doomsday device maneuver looked pretty good, but really not much of a match. Yeah, I went uh, I went half a star on it like you with for uh, what's his name <laughs> doing the RVD <laughs> uh, <laughs> split legged moonsault. That was fucking. I went the half star just for that. But yeah, I mean this this was pure angle advancement, pure storyline. It's ninety seconds. Uh, Rico <laughs> with the fastest three count in human history. Like the camera missed like the first half <laughs> of the count. It was so fast they only caught like the back <laughs> half of it. So uh, and then the only other thing I. Uh, I said about this is, uh, uh, oh boy, is it going to be one of these shows where uh, there's not a lot of wrestling and a lot of uh, storyline and nonsense and bullshit? Uh, we'll see, <laughs> but uh, I, I was not getting a warm, fuzzy feeling about this episode of Raw uh, by this point. But uh, yeah, as for this half a star. Yeah, this first hour in particular, this first half of the show, you, like I feel like we're going to get a total of like six minutes of in-ring action here because... Yeah, we're at about a minute and a half with this first match. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to go much higher than that. But uh, Spike comes in after they put Rico to the table to kind of pop the crowd, get their heat back, whatever you want to call it. Just very pain-pie numbers. Like, I mean, I get it. They're pushing the feud along, but they're not doing it in a particularly interesting or inspired way. It's just like, hey, look, they got screwed over. with the guests. It just feels very lazy, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah, uh, the fact that they got their heat back that quickly, like, I don't know, maybe save it a week, <laughs> you know, do it do it next week, maybe. I mean, I, I know it's ultimately it's a filler feud that they're, they're doing here because, I mean, three minute warning isn't really much of anything at this point. But uh, I don't know. Let, let three minute warning have this one is what I'm saying. <laughs> right. Like, let us get some sympathy on the Dudley's point. No. All right. We head back to Eric. He's with his driver. <laughs> Who looks like uh, Chef Boyardee or something? He's like a poorly <laughs> man with a mustache. They're searching like a. Uh, this is right back to 032 because they're actually looking at a a physical map trying to find out where Austin would be like pulled off on the side of the road looking for that 
the map in them. I did like this little touch, even though I think this is kind of a lame storyline, but the Bischoff timer, I thought actually having the physical timer pop up on the screen was mm-hmm. kind of funny. Uh, but yeah, just Eric trying to find his way. He's very rude to his, uh, to Shep YRD, his chauffeur here. Yeah, yeah, he he's not very nice to him. Uh, this segment of Raw sponsored by Rand McNally, <laughs> apparently for <laughs> for that map. Uh, good lord! But uh, yeah, I mean, not much here. I don't know where the hell they were. They were like somewhere like it was very dark. I don't know if they were in the upside down or something, but it was like fucking pitch. <laughs> it was like pitch black wherever they were. Like yeah, just uh, it was uh, a very frightening scene. Uh, hopefully Bischoff is okay and his driver are okay. We'll, we'll we'll catch up with him in just a minute. But before that, all right, to pick Raw up, we have Tommy Dreamer coming out. Um, and I have to say, uh, Tommy Dreamer is not the same Tommy Dreamer that um, you guys speak about on Extreme Three-Way Dance. He's kind of, uh, he comes off as pretty much a loser in this era. Yes, uh, a sad fall from grace compared to uh, 1997 Tommy Dreamer for sure. So we believe he's coming out for a match, but before anything can actually happen, Triple H and his boys come out. Uh, Triple H is on crutches. Apparently he has like some kind of hematoma or some shit on his quad, JR <laughs> says. Um, some kind of injury. But Batista and Orton come. They drop Tommy, and so they just kind of derail this. No match. Triple H with this look here, he reminded me of uh, – so he's got the crutch. He's got his hair slicked back. I think he had like the black sunglasses. So he reminded me of uh, Pacino and Scent of a Woman. <laughs> Like walking around with the cane. You're <laughs> like out of shades. order. <laughs> this whole courtroom is out of order. <laughs> right, like he hobbles out with his black sunglasses and his... Because he had like the one crutch, so it was very like... It, it had the same energy as him using a cane. So <laughs> it's kind of what he came off to be with his suit on. But uh, so this was just them derailing Tommy so they could come in. And he finally, I've been wondering when they were going to finally do this as they kind of formed evolution a few weeks ago, but they never really laid out the, the like they never said anything about what their plan was. And Triple H finally lays it out. Um, the idea behind evolution at this point, we all know it, but Flair was the goat in his day. He was like the greatest. Now Triple H is with Flair is. So they have the past at Flair. They have the current champion in Triple H. He's the ring general, the diamond, et cetera, et cetera. And then Orton and Batista are the future. Uh, and then he, he comes, he ends up with the tagline that evolution will pass you by. So um, kind of laying out what we all know now is like the, the idea behind evolution, which I got to say, like, I know they get uh, the criticism of this is just a horseman cosplay, but I do think it's cool. Like, it's not the word. It's not a bad concept. Like, you know, that you have the young guys, the, the older guy is kind of like the uh, the mentor and then the guy who's in his prime now. Like, it's not a bad concept. Um, and it definitely has some built-in interesting avenues for the future, given that, you know, the hierarchy of where each guy is at this moment, you can definitely see uh, where they can go with it. But it just, I've said this every week since they kind of came out with this, I just feel like they haven't built a ton of intrigue. Like, I would have thought, looking back without really remembering it, that would have been this big deal. They would have been like, what is this? Why is Triple H and Orton in between? But they don't. They just kind of show up, and now they're like, hey, this is evolution. Like, hey, we're here. Like, it's just odd to me that they didn't milk this for more, like, make it feel like a much bigger deal than they have. Yeah, the way they went about uh, doing this whole thing, it, it's definitely a little weird. Like you said, they were already, te- uh, you know, they had already been together as a unit for a couple of weeks at this point. So it's definitely weird that it took them, you know, two, three weeks, however long it was to 
formally introduce what they are and say what they were all about. So it is definitely a little weird. And I think, like you said, at this point, I mean, obviously, uh, it's no secret what happens with evolution, right? But at this point, there was still high hopes for what this group would be, I think. And uh, to this point, it's definitely interesting. You know, it gives Ric Flair something. It gives Batista something. It gives Randy Orton something. And... You know, you'll see eventually where it goes. But at this point, I do think it's interesting. I I will say uh, I'm not sure what taking out Tommy Dreamer in 2002 (laughs) does. Like, I don't know, maybe if it was something like, I don't know, Scott Steiner, that may make more sense to me. Because you mentioned it, Tommy Dreamer at this point is basically a goof. So, I mean... Everybody kind of puts his ass out at this point, so it doesn't really do anything for them. But it is interesting. Uh, the promo, I think, by Triple H did go on for a little bit long, but it is Triple H. He is going to get the time, so uh, it is what it is. And, uh, yeah, we are fully in the, uh, the Horseman cosplay era, even down to how Triple H is holding the world title. He's even holding it like Ric Flair used to in the NWA with it in his arm up against his chest like that. So I thought that was a neat touch, but yeah, at at this point, uh, evolution is, uh, is pretty interesting. We'll see where it goes, but, uh, yeah, this was a a pretty okay uh, way to introduce, you know, the group and everything about it, but it is a little weird how they did it, but this this segment was mm -hmm. pretty good. It just seems like Raw, as we're, as we're going to go through this, and I've gone through the past few weeks, is a bit barren as far as like any kind of hot angles or interesting things. So mm-hmm. you think you got Triple H, who's like your champion. I just felt like they would push it a lot more, make it a much bigger deal, like this insane faction with Flair and Triple H and these you know young studs. It's just odd. It's just again, like we, I said earlier, it just feels like a lot of what they're doing in Raw feels very mailed in. Like, hey, look, mm-hmm. Triple H's got a faction. Like, they don't really come up with any cool ways to to, to work around this. But, yeah, I mean, at least if they're going to do a, a Horseman cosplay, it does make sense because Flair is kind of like their mentor. So, I mean, he right. probably would tell them, like, yeah, just be like the Horseman. That's what we did. So that's what right. you all should do. You know, like, at least they're not doing a, a Horseman cosplay without Flair. Then I think it would come off a bit more cheesy. So. Right. Right. Um, and I feel like the, the Tommy thing, maybe they're going for like um, like how the NWO, if they wanted to cut a promo, they just come down and beat up whatever schmucks and grab the mic. <laughs> I guess that's yeah. what they were going for with, uh, yeah. with poor, poor, poor Tommy. Um, but evolution will pass you by. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, Terry asked Big Papa Pump his status after last week. And uh, he just says that he, he'll handle like he always does and then flexes. So kind perfect, of no selling. Perfect. You know what? Perfect promo from Scott Steiner. We don't want you don't want to have Scott Steiner talk for five minutes. Give him thirty seconds, get in, get out. This was perfect. Right. <laughs> but it, it's like a weird position they're putting him in. Like again, not putting guys to play to their strengths. Like having a big group beat up Scott Steiner is not like he's not gonna be like a face overcoming the odds and like getting sympathy from the crowd. Like that's not really his forte. Like so, like, you get put in a weird position where he's supposed to almost be in, a, like, a vulnerable position, but that's not his character. So, instead, he just no-sells. So, it's, like, a weird, <laughs> like, he got his ass beaten, like, like you know, a four-on-one beatdown. And he just comes back the next week and is like, no, nah, I'm just going to beat him up. I don't care. And he flexes, like, yeah. it's just, like, he's going to have all these beatdowns, but he's going to no-sell them. So, it doesn't really accomplish what you would think 
um, a beat down would do for a face. I just, I don't know. I don't think he's the right guy for what they're doing at this point. Oh, no, he's he's definitely not. I mean, uh, they're trying to make him sympathetic, and Scott Steiner is not <laughs> sympathetic. I'm, look at the size of the man, for Christ's sake. That's not a sympathetic figure, you know. So, but, uh, yeah, uh, my main point was, look, uh, you can't give Scott right, Steiner— right. You can't give Scott Steiner a hot mic for five minutes because he's going to say something offensive. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And he's not going to he's not going to get over what you're trying. Yeah, it's just a mess. The whole Steiner thing is he's miscast. They they're just just spinning their wheels here. Um, But anyway, Evolution is in the uh, luxury suite here at the uh, MCI Center looking like the uh, the old PTB gang uh, at Mania here (laughs) in the uh, luxury suite and chicken fingers and. Uh, drinking champagne. Um, well, we know who the Triple mo- H was. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, we come back to Eric Bischoff, who's wandering around. With this house looks like a some, like a castle or something, but um, <laughs> <laughs> they say he's in the Greater San Antonio area. Um, he knocks on the door. A man in a cowboy hat <laughs> opens it and says that Austin is not there. He reveals that his name is Buford. <laughs> so, uh, and then tells Eric that Austin is at the Longhorn Saloon in Bandera. Eric seems skeptical, but Buford guarantees him that if he goes there, he will find Austin. So, um, I, wanna, I, wanna... <laughs> I, I I thought Bischoff pulled up to the fucking Alamo. That's what it looked like to me. <laughs> Same. That's right. It does look like the Alamo. <laughs> Of, and of course, the fucking guy's name is Buford. Let's pick the most Texas name we can find. Buford, there it is. Good lord. And, and then they make all these, as we'll continue on, like they make all these Texas people almost like intelligible, like like unintelligible. <laughs> like, you right. can't, like they just mumble, oh, long horse saloon. And Eric's like, what? What are you saying? It's just ridiculous. Texas is a state full of boomhowers, apparently. <laughs> Um, anyway, so we have Molly. She's um, um, she's dressed like Stevie Nicks, as Jr. says, <laughs> in a, like a flowing kind of satin shirt deal and some almost like, like velvet pants or I don't even know what she was wearing, but he was kind of spot on. She was kind of dressed like Stevie Nicks. Uh, they start some arm drags. Molly gets the best of it. Victoria quickly takes over with the power and uh, hits Molly with the widow's peak. Essentially a squash here, Matt. Matt, I went up uh, a squash match, Matt. <laughs> I ended up going up. <laughs> One star on it. Uh, Molly is just complete afterthought. Haven't seen her in a while. She comes back and just gets squashed. This is just to put Victoria over. Um, yeah, again, not another completely forgettable match. One star for me. Yeah, uh, I ended up going a star and a half on it, and I'm pretty sure I went the extra half star just for having a fucking wrestling match on this show. <laughs> I, I was I was so thrilled that a wrestling match broke out on this show that I rewarded the squash for it. And I mean. It, it was a perfectly fine squash. It was all about showcasing Victoria. And I mean, you have, you know, two of the best women's wrestlers in the company at this point doing their thing. So, I mean, it was, uh, it was perfectly fine. Uh, <laughs> JR's line about Molly looking like she's going to a Fleetwood Mac concert was unbelievable. One of the best things JR has ever said in his career. <laughs> it's way up there, but yeah, this was a, a perfectly fine for what it was. So uh, it's probably worth a star, but I'm going star and a half. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and the thing about this is, like, uh, it's one thing if you're not going to have a lot of wrestling, and it's like, well, we don't have a lot of wrestling, but we have all these hot angles. Like, we don't have that either. We have right. Eric Bischoff wandering around Texas. 
we have evolution, which is fine. Come out saying, hey, we're evolution. This is what we are. Mm-hmm. Um, we have <laughs> Tess saying he's going <laughs> to uh, beat an apology of Jericho's ass. So it's not like we're getting, <laughs> you know, these amazing angles either. It's like you're really not getting much of anything, I guess. Right. So, uh, you, you know, uh, 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 Raw has often been looked at as the storyline heavy show. But when mm-hmm. the storylines absolutely suck, that's a real problem. <laughs> you know? <Right>. Correct. <laughs> um, so we should mention that Jazz comes out after this. like Just like she did last week, she comes out to uh, pick the bones, as JR says, and just kind of starts beating up Molly, which for some reason makes Victoria kind of upset, I guess, like, she feels Jazz is trying to show her up. And as they've portrayed, Victoria's supposed to be kind of crazy. So she's a little unhinged. So maybe she thinks Jazz is stealing her spotlight. So could we may possibly have a Jazz-Victoria feud in the future, which I think could be pretty good. Yeah, yeah, that could definitely be good. I mean, anything to beef up, to have something going on on Raw. Right. You know, Jazz and Victoria, I mean... Like, if you give them a decent amount of time, which it was 2003, there's a good chance that wouldn't happen. But if you gave them a decent amount of time, that could be a really good match. So we'll see if they end up going that route. Yeah, they need something for the women's division, which I say women's division, it's Trish and Victoria. That right, is exactly. Division. <laughs> exactly. Just running them out there every week in a different gimmick match. So yep. yeah, they need something. All right, we head to backstage where Booker is hyped for Book Dust shot tonight at tag team titles to try and regain them but Goldust seems a little bit apprehensive he says that Booker T has been killing it in singles competition so if they lose he feels like that Booker T should go on his own so essentially saying that um, if they don't win this that it means that Booker T should probably you know it's not worth it anymore and that if you love something set it free is pretty much uh, Goldust's thing um, which I mean Getting in like with this promo, you kind of know where they're going with this because if they were going to reheat Booker T and Goldust, they probably wouldn't have had, not have them wrestle for three weeks. So you mm-hmm. kind of get, and then all of a sudden, Goldust is just like, you know, well, all of a sudden they have a title shot, which has not been built up. And right. then all of a sudden, Goldust is saying, like, hey, if we don't win, we should break up. You kind of see the writing on the wall. So I was starting to get like, um, it's just a bummer that they fizzled kind of. Mm-hmm. Sort of the victims of the lack of focus on Raw, that they would just kind of let this hot team just sort of fizzle out like this. Um, but we'll we'll see where the match goes. Yeah, it, it's definitely a bummer because, I mean, they were definitely super entertaining, like, through the summer of 02 and all that. So it's it's definitely a bummer that they just kind of fizzled out and flamed out with no real fanfare. I mean, a random title match on Raw, it looks like it's going to be at the end of them as a team. Yeah, it's just a bummer because they were super entertaining. Right. So we'll head into that match. Um, we get Before that match, though, we get it. Uh, one of these in-show ad plugs for Old School, which was a huge movie. I, th- I remember this mm-hmm. Old School was massive at the time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and that, that movie was huge at this point. Right. You're my boy, Blue. Um, I remember <laughs> it about 40,000 times. Uh, and, you know, I'm just making the connection when we get to SmackDown. I wonder if there was some Old School influence. Um, and one of the uh, <laughs> one of the things that we're going to see on SmackDown, it was just a I wonder if this was the style at the time, but we'll get to it on SmackDown. Um, so we'll, we'll get into this uh, tag match. We have Booker T and Goldust versus the Champs, Regal, and Storm. Um, really fluid action, like you always get from these two teams. Like, 
Um, I just mentioned Booker T and Goldust, not just their character work, but in ring, they're really awesome. They're both like um, they're really fluid as a team. They um, they tag in and out well. They just have a good ebb and flow to the way they work and um, the way they kind of can each one of them can work as the hot tag guy or the face in peril. But really fluid action. Sorry, nice heel tactics from Regal and Storm. Um, like at one point, Regal runs around the side of the ring to kind of cut off the hot tag, which I thought was a nice little spot. Um, but they um, the like um, having Goldust uh, fire up instead of being able to get the hot tag again, like a nice little change up from the typical tag formula. But Storm lays out Goldust with a kick kind of out of nowhere to just win and uh, retain the titles. And, you know, we can presume in the team of Booker T and Goldust. But, uh, yeah, I thought what they did was good, but it just kind of cut off before it really got anywhere, before it could really cook. So I ended up only going to start a half on it, uh, Matt. Yeah, I went two on it. Uh, just a, uh, the pace was great, but it was super short. The finish came out of nowhere. Uh, very similar to how the team kind of fizzled out their last match as a team. Uh, was kind of a bummer, just like how they were. Uh, yeah. Uh, it, it was good while it lasted. I mean, it was maybe five minutes, but yeah, it, it was definitely good. And I, like you said, I like the heel work and I, I've always liked how Booker T and Goldust have worked together, but ultimately there just wasn't much here. They didn't get enough time to really hit that next level or even like second gear. They never really got out of like first gear, to be honest with you, but it was, it was definitely good for what it was. It was just super quick. So uh, yeah, I ended up, I went two stars on it. I, I just don't get it with some of the bullshit that we have on this raw. Mm-hmm. Like, why not? If it's going to be their last match, like really give them a good 10 or 15 minutes to go out there and like build some drama to like the crowd buying into it. That way right. it really hits harder whenever they find like, you know, if you are going to break them up, make it hit hard when they finally do lose. But the match is not even long enough for us to really get invested right. in them winning or losing. It just kind of cuts off. It's just. Again, everything on the show just feels so mailed in. Like, they're just not really putting a lot of effort or thought into what they're trying to accomplish. They just kind of, it's like everything is done. Like, how do you say it? It's just all kind of perfunctory. Like, oh, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, we need to break them up, have them in there, go in there for three minutes and lose. It's just right. no. I, it's it's almost like they're doing it just for the sake of doing it, <laughs> kind of. Right, exactly. Yeah. So, but, the, the, mm-hmm, go ahead. but we got to have those uh, five segments with Eric Bischoff in a bar, though. That, that's entertaining. <laughs> we got we got to cut off what could be a really good tag match for, you know, Eric Bischoff standing in a bar. <laughs> yeah, it's, but uh, so after the match, Goldust tries to run off, but Booker T calls him back, um, which I, I thought this was a good like a good visual. Goldust kind of has a busted nose, so. It kind of adds to the, you know, Goldust feeling like he's kind of run down and been letting the team down. Um, Booker T puts over their run and uh, talks about how he enjoyed their team. The crowd applauds. They do a handshake and hug and give like a nice little touchy-feely moment. But like I said, it's just a bummer. Like they were one of the bright spots on Raw in these past six months that have certainly not always been great. And it's just... Like, I feel like they had a, like, I think people remember them as having a good run and like enjoyed the team, but it's hard not to think like if broad this time wasn't so weird and herky jerky and had a little more focus Mm -hmm. from week to week. Like, I feel like they could have had like an all time tag team run because they just have such great chemistry in ring and out of the ring. It's like, I feel like they had a good run, but in a, in a perfect world, I feel like you, you would look back on this as like one of the great tag teams if they really focused on it and, and let them have a real run. 
Right. I mean, they're definitely good, but I mean, they definitely could. If if Raw had any semblance of focus, I mean, they they could have reached like all time level with between their charisma and obviously they're both good workers. So I mean, they definitely could have gotten there, but they just didn't. It's just other circumstances uh, held them back. And the only other thing I'll say is I'm glad that uh, they didn't do a a Booker heel turn there because with the way that segment wet went they definitely could have done that the the opening was there for booker to just clock gold dust mm-hmm. and so I'm, I'm glad they actually kept it a nice moment that was very good right and obviously they have plans for booker t and i kind of feel like that's part of the reason why the team they could never really commit to it right. i feel like they always like in the back of their mind are wanting to pull the trigger on Booker T on a singles run. They just never mm-hmm. really know when they want to. And I think that's part of the issue, but it would seem like that's where they're going to go. So yep. we'll see how it shakes out. All right. We head back to Bandera, Matt. Eric, uh, he looks out of place. Uh, what the hell was he wearing? By <laughs> like, was he, it was like a track suit or like, he looked like a baseball manager. I don't know what the hell he was wearing. If any. Like a, a, a jogging suit or something <laughs> like, his <laughs> short sleeve jogging suit, like <laughs> it was, uh, and it was like three sizes too big. He looked absurd on what he was wearing, but um, he looks very out of place. Of course, he's you know a big rich city boy, so he tries to order a martini at the uh, Texas bar, so he gets heckled by the locals. Um, and again, these Texas people, um, he's like, "Have you seen Stone Cold?" And there's, oh yeah, that's that ball fella. <laughs> like, it was just, <laughs> absurd uh but anyway stone cold is not here he's told that austin is at the arky blue silver dollar which seems to be the most Jesus. clunky name for a bar ever like what the fuck does that mean it's like a mad lib <laughs> it, it was it, it was at this point uh i i started kind of feeling like all these bischoff things were kind of just done to kill time on an episode of tv uh, th- this was the one that kind of put that in my head, like, oh, maybe this isn't going to go anywhere. And they they just needed to fill some time on this week. So we'll we'll see. But it was at this point where I started kind of thinking that. Right. It, I will say this, like the they are pretty entertaining to, to sort of like. But like you're mentioning, it's got to pay off if you're going to do a full like a full show angle where you keep going back to him, back to him. It's got to have a payoff and we'll see in a minute. It does not have a payoff. So, <laughs> um, so we'll see. Uh, but we head back to the ring for another match here. It's going to be RVD versus Kane. Like we mentioned earlier, shut up by uh, chief Morley. Um, King strolling the ladies from the uh, Texas bar saying, uh, they don't get prettier at closing time. <laughs> even. <laughs> so, uh, I thought that was pretty good. That was more some, um, some vintage good like King one-liners, mm-hmm. but um, uh, so it's always fun to watch Rob do his thing in these matches, laying kicks, trying to work over the bigger guy, just kind of getting this shit in. Kane comes back, hits the sidewalk slam. Uh, they kind of definitely settle into what I would call a Kane pace, like it mm-hmm. slows down and gets a bit methodical. Um, I don't think he's lost much of a step, but he's definitely not. Like it, it, this match particularly made me miss like the uh, Jack King from early '02 before he got hurt, where he was really like he was ripped and he was moving. I think a little more quickly, but he hits the top rope clothesline in the refuge that uh, Rob is hurt, so he starts. But it turns out Rob is playing possum. He goes for the frog splash, and then out of nowhere, Jeff Hardy shows up and knocks him off for the DQ. 
Uh, I thought it was kind of ho-hum before the DQ. Like I said, it's just kind of both guys hitting their spots. Rob doing his kicks and shit. And his, um, you know, his Rob Van Dam offense. Kane doing the sidewalk slam. Um, and his plotting offense. Uh, and then they just kind of, so they just double team Hardy after, which I thought was funny. Like usually say a complete putz. They just, um, like he looks like a chump. They just double team him after. <laughs> and it almost seems like they reunited, like they uh, rekindled their team by beating up Jeff right. Hardy. But they bond, they bonded over kicking the shit out of Jeff Hardy. <laughs> right. So old heelish Hardy, but I ended up going two on and I thought it was fine. Just both guys kind of getting their shit in. I went two on it too. Uh, it, uh, this had a very like nitro uh, feel to it for me, where it was uh, just kind of like a collection of spots, no real like cohesive flow to it. It was just spot after spot after spot, which for a TV match is fine. I mean, it was pretty entertaining for what it was, but it uh, it doesn't make for the best match when you're grading it. So. Uh, I did go two on it. Uh, Jeff Hardy coming out for the fucking <laughs> finish. What the hell are we doing? Like, good Lord. And like I said, uh, Kane and RVD bonded over beating the shit out of Jeff Hardy. So you can thank Jeff Hardy for <laughs> rekindling the friendship of Kane and RVD. He sacrificed himself to save their tag team. What a mensch. But uh, yeah, uh, two stars for me on this. This was another match that happened on this show. Right. And they didn't like there was no... They didn't play into the whole idea. Like, they're tag team partners. Like, are they angry? Like, they didn't even. No. No, they didn't even play into any of that. It was just kind of them going in there and having kind of an exhibition-y kind of match, honestly. Mm. Um, but it's not going to get better for better for Jeff here, Matt. Um, <laughs> um, so, b- before we get to this, but I know we've been saying it, but, like, we're about two-thirds through the show. And I was just thinking, like. Barely anything of any consequences happened on this show. I mean, Booker T and Goldust broke up. I mean, Evolution said they were called Evolution. Like, <laughs> just, you know, the Dudleys doing the same shit they've been doing for three weeks where they get screwed over. Like, just nothing memorable. Or, like, if I would ask you what stood out <laughs> at this point in the show, it was, like, not a whole lot. Uh. He- Bischoff going to the Alamo, I guess, would be the standout (laughs) moment. But, uh, yeah, I mean, this uh, to this point, this is the definition of a filler show. It's a filler show like you read about. Uh, Yeah, which uh, they're in a big fucking town. They're in Washington, Mm D.C. It's not like they're in fucking Chicken Screw, Iowa, where it's, you know, it's not a (laughs) it's not a big. Right. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Like. Uh, this is a big fucking town you're running here, and this is the show you're putting on? Like, do, do you want people to come back, or do, do you just not care about the greater Washington, D.C. area? It's just very weird that this was the show they put on for a fairly big market in D.C. Well, they're going to try and heat it up with Shawn Michaels here. So he's going to come out um, to confront, and he says that he was going to confront Jericho, but Jericho's busy with other things. Um, I like how he almost like in code says like, yeah, we kind of have our feud on the back burner, so I'm not going to worry about him right <laughs> now. It's just odd. But um, instead, he's decided to come give Jeff, young Jeff Hardy some advice. He says that the first thing he thinks about with uh, Jeff was wasted potentials, but which 20 years down the line. Uh, rough, but uh, he said that he had to kick his partner through a barbershop window at the time, and he felt that he had to do it. And he believes it was the right decision. He feels difficult, blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera. He tells him to, that he's going to need to make a decision and deal with it. I don't know what that means. I don't know what he wants Jeff to do. <laughs> and uh, he says he needs to tell them who Jeff Hardy is going to be. 
And then Jeff grabs a mic, which is always a little shaky. <laughs> Never, not a whole lot of good happens when Jeff grabs a mic. Um, he says, there's not enough time to say who he is. And he always has this like weird warbly voice. Like there's not enough time to say who I am. <laughs> there's enough time to kick your ass starting with, uh, to kick ass starting with you. And they just walks right into a sweet <laughs> music. Like again, like a complete loser. I, I just didn't get the point of this, Matt. Like I, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's not going to go anywhere. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if they're still punishing Jeff for his out of the ring indiscretions. Like, just fire him. <laughs> like if you really, <laughs> if you're just gonna, all he's gonna do is come on TV costly and look like an idiot. Just let the guy go. Like why torture him? Uh, I don't know. It was just I didn't understand this. It's just I feel like it's just a Jeff Hardy burial. Honestly, I I, I was gonna ask you if this was something that kind of came out of nowhere, or if this had, or if they had just been building to this because this was very strange to me. Like Hardy all of a sudden acting heelish like it's almost like they have nothing to do with hardy right now so they're just trying to find something or else they're gonna shit can his ass if this doesn't work Mm -hmm. you know this is what it felt like to me and it also felt like uh just a way to get Shawn michaels on this insipid fucking episode of raw because we need something because we need something (laughs) we need something for the crowd to cheer for so we can come back to washington dc again and actually have people show up (laughs) right it was one yeah you're absolutely right just a shoehorn sean into this and i think sean kind of ends up looking like a douche honestly in this like just comes in here and gives him like a dad speech like i'm disappointed in you and then super kicks i'm like what's the point yeah it's like jeff is like if they don't think about him he comes out and has like a two-minute forgettable match and when they do think a little bit further than that he gets he looks like an idiot like when they do decide to do anything more it's just something where he just looks like a dumbass right i mean he's with the mindset he was in and the frame of mind he was in right now you really can't trust him to do much of anything so there's that going against him too just because of how fucked up he was personally and uh, you know outside of the ring so it's a tough situation and look uh, i've never been the biggest jeff hardy fan but he was certainly uh personally professionally in a tough spot here so uh, i guess it's good in a way that they're doing something with him but that something didn't work you know (laughs) I don't know. All right, we got a another Sean O'Hare promo vignette video package thing that I've been getting constantly. Uh, this one was all about like some about taxes. They're stealing <laughs> your money. It's un-American to pay taxes. So I don't know. Any thoughts on Sean O'Hare? I've I've spoken at nauseum about him because he's they show about five of these between Raw and SmackDown every week. This uh, Sean O'Hare <sighs> character. I mean. <sighs> there's there's potential there but the thing is like he's not a guy that's ever going to go out there and have a five-star match for this company so the character better be good and the character at this point really isn't so uh, i don't know it's interesting uh yeah we'll see where it goes but i i don't have particularly high hopes for it because the is kind of meh and he's not the best in the ring so i i i think it's going to end up falling flat but we'll see all right so we'll see if we can pick this one up we're going to get uh maven versus delo um aggressive delo as we've been getting uh with his new attitude with theodore long um kind of a 
a bit of a sloppy match here. Like uh, they kind of go back and forth. Maven does his basic offense. Maven to me, uh, since we both do uh, the highway to the impact zone, he comes off to me like uh, an X division jobber, like a, um, mm-hmm. like a poor man's Jarrell Clark or something <laughs> like, like not even that impressive. Like he just like, he looked rough in this match. Like he goes to hit a corner boot and kind of whiffs on it. Um, and then he just ends up like looking like an idiot. Like he goes up to do a, um, I think it was a drop kick, and like Delo's just standing there for like ten seconds. And Maven's like trying to set up for the drop kick. Just it took him like forever to set up the drop kick. He goes to do it, and Delo just moves <laughs> and just and then hits the uh, the sky high to win. It was um, you always say, Matt, a, a match that happened. That's exactly what this was. I went a half a star. I thought it wasn't even good as far as like a squash match because it just had too many sloppy spots and just wasn't very crisp. Yeah, th- th- this had no business being on an episode of Raw. Like this, this belonged on an episode of Heat. Uh, I I've said it before on this show. I don't mind filler if it's fun filler. Uh, this was not fun filler. Uh, this is this was uh, quite bad. Uh, they they uh, decided to put this match on Raw instead of having the tag title match go longer, which makes zero fucking sense to me. Uh, and this might have longer than the tag title match or at the very least it was close time-wise which is completely absurd like there's no reason for this to be here the crowd was dead i mean you could hear a pin drop in that building during this match what the hell is this doing here like there's just no reason for this so i went i went a half yeah i went a half star on it that was all i was gonna say Right. Uh, Teddy puts over. So he tries to get the crowd into it, putting over D'Lo, saying that he's undefeated since he teamed up with Teddy Long um, in the elite competition he's had fighting like Maven and Tommy Dreamer or whatever <laughs> he's been fighting. Um, he tries to get the crowd to say to chant down with the Brown, but they just boo him instead, <laughs> which I mean, I get he's a heel. But um, what happens after this does help either as they cut to the skybox and um, <laughs> Triple H and Flair just mocking him, <laughs> which I'm sure is going to help him get over. Of course. Uh, and then uh, Triple H tells Orton and Batista to, uh, he tells them they know what to do for the main event. So maybe they're going to do something. I don't know. But yeah, um, <laughs> it does not seem like the uh, rebooted D'Lo Brown is getting over, I have to say. Uh, no, in fact, he's doing the opposite of that. He's getting, uh, he's getting X-Pac, which is uh, quite impressive, which is impressive on its own right, but not the kind of impressive you want to be. Again, another idea that maybe had some kind of chance if you had some kind of inspired idea, but coming in and like just this half-ass, like sticking with Teddy Long, it's just not, it's not enough to rehab D-Lo and make people care, unfortunately, for our old pal D-Lo. All right, so we now we head back to Texas again, and like you said, Matt, we're getting towards the end of the show, so if this is going to pay off, um, we probably need Stone Cold to be at the Arky Blue Silver Dollar. So Eric shows up <laughs> there. He has um, he no luck, as the bartender says that Austin was here, but he must have slipped away. Um, he's walking through the bar, and some random guy laughs at Eric and says, oh, "You're not going to sign him. Vince is going to can your ass." So <laughs> some random guy trolls him. And so Eric takes the beer glass and smashes it over the guy's face and says, screw Austin, screw you, and screw Bandera. And so, um, which would seem to be the end of this Eric and Texas saga. 
And so, like we said earlier, this has been mildly entertaining, but I feel for it to all pay off, you can't end with him not finding him. Uh, I mean, I guess it's supposed to be like we're supposed to be entertained because Eric got screwed over or he looks like a fool, but I feel like if you're going to tease showing Austin in here, you kind of got to show him or it ends up landing right. with wet fart. Especially when Austin hasn't been on TV in eight fucking months and people are dying to fucking see the guy. You know, it... The whole thing was a gigantic waste of time. I mean, th- that's all it was. It was for the way I think of this now. It, it was like I said before, purely done to kill time on television. For whatever reason, they felt the need to do this because they didn't have enough matches booked. Maybe book another match or two instead of having five segments with Eric Bischoff going through the entire state of Texas looking for Stone Cold. But yeah. The whole thing ended up being ultimately pointless. So, uh, yeah, n- uh, not great. It, it was very entertaining for what it was, but the fact that there was uh, that the payoff was random. Uh, Eric smashing some random guy with a uh, with a beer mug. Yeah, that that's not the payoff people wanted. So, and like they try and frame like Austin's playing mind games with them in. Like, obviously, they want to milk it because they want people to buy the pay-per-view to see Austin, but I don't know if this is – I don't know if this is right. I think you at least have to have Austin involved in some way. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I just wouldn't invest as much time in this whole deal if you're just going to, like, like bait and switch people when you get to the, end of the show. Right, 100%. All right. So um, as we gear up for our main event, we actually see Orton and Batista backstage before. They're trolling Goldust, calling him a loser, asking if he's seen where uh, Steiner is. They slap him. They start brawling out to the stage area. And then they work their way out to this very suspicious-looking, like, metal wall. It looked like the like, um, like in a movie, like if they're in a submarine, like the walls are like, <laughs> like all kind of weird, like, dials and shit on it. And they throw him into it, and he gets electrocuted. They play it, they play it super serious. Like, they have EMTs come out. He says, like, an oxygen thing on him. They stretch him out. They do the whole, like, somber voice thing as if, like... <laughs> I have no, I mean, I don't know where they're going with this, but just seems so random. Lord <laughs> and Batista just electrocute all this <laughs> to where he's like, you know, the way they frame it is like he could have possibly died. Just, <laughs> I, I have no idea. Like, uh, I, I just feel like it's them doing something. Like, I guess I'll reserve judgment in case it goes somewhere, but just like right before the main event, too, like, uh, I don't know. The the electric pan the electrical paneling was like a, a sub uh, like of all that level of production they had. It was <laughs> it, it looks like just particle board styrofoam. It was awful. And then you get to the the pyrotechnics. It was like a chamber of horrors level of pyrotechnics <laughs> when he hits the fucking when he hits the fucking panel. Oh, uh, this was highly entertaining, but for all the wrong reasons. <laughs> because it was so bad like it, it was like it's so good it's it's so bad it's good territory it's ridiculous that and it's fucking gold dust of all people <laughs> like <laughs> so i mean you're not talking like it was like if it was steiner i would have get it right he's you know he's going after triple h but why gold dust <laughs> what did he do <laughs> that's what they should have done is have steiner and he turns like a pco like frankenstein <laughs> <laughs> oh man shit <laughs> 
missed the opportunity. But yeah, yeah. It, it's so it's so odd. Like if if you were to only know of electrocuting like electricity through wrestling, you would think all electricity when it like misfires is just like sparks, like right. little like us, <laughs> like like a sparkler going off. It's ridiculous. <laughs> and like they're so serious about it. Like King says when they come back from the break, he's like, "Well, they did say he had a pulse." Like, good lord. Yeah, uh, laying it on a little thick. Good God. <laughs> like he's like he's come back. It's like gold dust is not breathing. Like Jesus. Yeah. A little much. Yeah. yeah, and so with that, we go into our <laughs> after we <laughs> presume that you know Goldust nearly lost his life, we go into our main event, which is uh, <laughs> sponsored by Sour Starburst, which uh, that brought me back. I was a big fan of Sour Starburst. Oh the, yeah, the time. Uh, they need to bring them back again. Those are great. I love brutal in your mouth, but very good. It is worth it. The pain is worth it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we go to our our number one contenders match, which is going to be Jericho versus Star to see who will face Triple H. Uh, we get a lot of stalling at the beginning. Uh, Steiner just tossing Jericho around. You could tell Steiner's just so slow and stiff. Like, um, mm-hmm. and I don't mean stiff in the Stan Hansen way. I mean like his body is <laughs> immobile. <laughs> like he has trouble moving around here. Um, Jericho knocks him out of the ring. Like you could tell Jericho kind of knows what he's dealing with. He's doing like everything in the book to try and give this some juice. Like he's screaming constantly about it, like scream at the crowd, scream at Steiner, like trying to heal off to give this some kind of energy. Um, but anyway, Steiner goes out the ring and then he comes back in. Jericho puts him in like, like <laughs> the softest, like bow and arrow submission. Like he does not pull <laughs> back on his arms at all because he's probably worried about breaking Steiner's back with this. Um, <laughs> Jericho goes off the ropes. Steiner tries to slam him, but it's like real awkward. Like he almost just drops him. Just very reminiscent of the trip, the later parts of the, the Triple H match where he just kind of looked off like and stiff. Jericho goes for the walls, uh, but Steiner breaks that. He survives a power bomb. Crowd is completely flat. They don't care. They've not invested in this at all. He finally does get the walls on, but Big Papa Pump gets the ropes. Steiner hits a fallaway slam off the top rope, which actually was definitely the highlight of the match for him. Definitely his mm-hmm. finest move, and he wins with that. So Jericho just kind of loses clean here. Uh, yeah, I thought Jericho bumped pretty well. He was trying his best, but just a very flat match. No crowd heat. Steiner just looks rough. He looks very much like he can't move, um, especially in there with a guy like Jericho who can really go. It's just... It wasn't good. He's just so cooked. I know it's a story at the time, but there's a reason why this is remembered. Um, you know, it's a reason why he's remembered for this time frame and not for not good reasons because he does not look good. So I wouldn't start a half, man. Very disappointing. Steiner just, they need to find something else for him. He should not be this prominently featured. I'm right there with you too. I went a star and a half on this. Uh, before before I get into the match, uh, I need to talk about uh, Scott Steiner's pants because I think uh, <laughs> one pant like uh, had the number 69 on them. I believe uh, it said. <laughs> And then uh, the other pant leg uh, had uh, the number one with the American flag in it. So I don't know what any of that means, <laughs> but uh, some sort of uh, Stein. Is he trying to do Steiner math? Is he doing Steiner math? Or that was a thing? Like, uh, <laughs> I was very confused. Um, yeah, just a super basic match. Uh, Steiner at one point got thrown into the steps and he sold it by pulling a Peter Griffin and just screaming, ow, and ah, <laughs> just, just <laughs> awful. 
Uh, yeah, the fallaway slam was great looking. Um, I did have hopes for this because Jericho is real good at this point, and he's a guy who can make other people look good. But even he can't pull a good match out of Steiner at this point. So like, if he can't, then who the fuck is like? Are you, unless you're putting him in there with like Sean or you know, <laughs> I mean, who else on Raw has a chance of getting a really good match out of Steiner if Jericho can't do it? I don't know that that person exists. And the only, the only other note I have is I cannot believe that they are running back Triple H and Scott Steiner. What are you doing? Like, after that fucking debacle of a Rumble match, how could you possibly run this back again? I mean, I get that you have nobody else, but you can do, like, a quick challenger of the month type of deal. Hell, throw fucking Test in there. Who cares? You know? It's just It's a throwaway. It's kind of a throwaway pay-per-view anyway. It's show before mania you could literally put anybody in there hell put fucking the half electrocuted gold dust in there that would make more <laughs> sense now than fucking steiner but right. yeah uh st- star and a half for me on this it 100 percent feels like they don't care and there's like we got to get through this pay-per-view and get ready for it so we can get to like the mania build and move on to something else like yeah I-, I feel like they're just like <laughs> They're just like taking the hell, like just run it back. Who cares? Hopefully they're by the pay-per-view for the other shit, like right. for, um, for rock Hogan and stone Cold showing up because they're sure as hell not going to buy it for this. <laughs> so let's just mail it anyway. Who cares? We already paid Steiner. Yeah. It's, it's a clusterfuck. Um, but we end the show on morally giving uh call it, trying to get in touch with Eric on the uh, Nokia with bad service and tries to give him a report about what is going wrong. <laughs> like gold doesn't get electrocuted. Uh, and then Vince walks in. He says they have not been having a good week. Time is precious. He says in that, um, if, you know, if Eric doesn't get, get it together, he is going to be fired. So I've said it since they started this, there's just an odd concept for an angle. Like, <laughs> like, it almost feels like the reason they put Goldust getting electrocuted into the show, the only reason they did this is so it would make Eric Bischoff look bad. Like, look, Eric Bischoff does not control the show. Like, he's got guys getting electrocuted. <laughs> like, it's just no one cares about Eric really. Get, like, I don't really care about him getting fired that much. It's just not a very – and it's just weird that they're like – the whole storyline is like Eric has a shitty show, so Vince is going to fire him. Like, Right. So I'm supposed to watch this shitty show to see if Eric gets fired. It's weird. Yeah, that was the thing that struck out to me, too, is that you're literally calling Raw a piece of shit wrestling show. That It makes no fucking sense. Like, okay, then I have no reason to fucking watch this thing ever again. Like, that's what you're telling me. This show sucks. And until Bischoff goes away, there's no reason to watch it because it's awful. Like, it seems kind of counterproductive to me. Right, like, he's lost control. Like, look at all the bad stuff that's happening. It's just, uh, I don't know. Like, yeah, just... Nothing happens in Bandera. Not, you know, nothing happened. Like, and even in the main event, like Evolution said that it made it seem like they were going to do something. They just had no, right. they did nothing for the main event. Just so to wrap this up, and it's a lot too. That's the thing too. I was like, think of all the stuff we talked about. I mean, it's a uh-huh. it's a long show. It's got a ton of things crammed into it, but just so lifeless. Like nothing has any kind of juice. There's so much focus on the Vince Eric Bischoff stuff, which I don't find interesting at all. The world title feud is on fumes. They, you know, Jericho HBK is a good feud, but they have that on the back burner. Just nothing feels like it's getting enough attention to matter, and it's just kind of boring. So I went pretty low on this. I ended up going three and a half out of ten. A very rough raw. 
Oh, uh, uh, I went lower than you, Jake. I went two and a half on this episode right. of Raw. The, uh, this was a fucking struggle to get through, I got to be honest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, getting inside baseball for a minute, I had some time uh, earlier this week on the week we're recording this, and my plan was to watch both Raw and SmackDown on the same night, get everything done for the show this evening. Uh, I had to stop <laughs> this episode of raw because it was starting to fuck with me a little bit and i needed to step away from wrestling for a bit. <laughs> right. uh we you know we've watched a lot of wrestling for podcasts oh you know uh, we've watched a lot of t- bad tna in 2004 uh I-, I think this episode of raw uh belongs with the worst <laughs> tna impacts that we've watched except the problem was this was an extra hour <laughs> those are only an hour this was two and i mean there's just nothing on this fucking show and nothing on it that would make me want to tune in next week <laughs> so like just like the peak of this show was probably what the the triple h segment i would think and even that was just like decent or okay <laughs> And then the rest of it was just either filler or bad or bad filler. So, yeah, uh, two and a half. Uh, do not make the same mistakes we made, uh, listeners at home, <laughs> and watch and watch this episode of Raw. You can go ahead and skip it. There you go. It, it's, I'm going to have to start paying people to do the podcast to be able to watch <laughs> Raw. <laughs> going to do it. All right. So with that, yeah, it, they're, yeah Raw's pretty dire right now. It's... I'm I'm hoping it improves, but uh, it doesn't. It definitely doesn't seem like a well and tough to no way out. It feels like it's going to be a rough stretch till we get past that pay per view. All right, let's 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 get God God bless you for doing this, Jake. (laughs) You're doing the Lord's work. All right, so we'll move on to SmackDown. This will be the February 6, 2003 SmackDown live from Philadelphia, um, ECW country. Um, immediately we see the, uh, the Jim Cornette special here as we have a wooden box with a bow on it. Um, of course, Jim Cornette said that anything that was in a box would get over and on it, it says that it's to undertaker. Um, it is to me, it's insane that they rent. I mean, it could not have been cheap to rent this gigantic crane to hold up this box. Like, no, and it's fucking massive. It takes up like a good portion of the floor. We're not talking a small crane here. (laughs) (laughs) Right. It's like a massive crane. (laughs) <laughs> so they, they pick it up, it rises, and um, and so they, I guess this is what's supposed to hook us in at the beginning of the show to get us to watch and see what's inside the box. So mm-hmm. that's our hook to start off SmackDown. So we on Raw, we had Eric and Bandera in Greater San Antonio, and now we have this box. So, <laughs> so it works out. Uh, mm-hmm. It definitely seems like a Christmas angle, despite it not being Christmas time here. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like, like, like unwrapping a gift. <laughs> Right, because it's two Undertaker from Big Show. But right. anyway, we'll see how it uh, shakes out in a minute. But instead, we will start in earnest with a match. It's going to be Jamie Noble, who's returning. Is excited to see Noble back. He hasn't really been on SmackDown in a while for whatever reason. He's going to be facing Rey Mysterio, who's kind of recently been um, finding a groove in these opening matches on SmackDown. He's got these uh, swank green pants on. Uh, yeah, so they start off. It's, of course, Christmas hell. Like these two guys, they just... They're both like really good in ring, so obviously it's gonna be good. Ray's offense is just awesome. Like it's a spinning DDT at one point that was great. 
Um, they do a well done ref bump as they get into it where, um, it's like a very subtle ref bump where they're just in the corner and they end up smacking the ref and he doesn't get knocked out, but it's just enough for Nidia to uh, drop race. She kind of pulls his leg and drops him on the apron. So Noble can take over. Um, Noble works him over for a bit. Nidia helps, um, Ray hits him. He goes in the six one nine position, but Nidia again helps him avoid that. Noble hits a killer power bomb where he, um, he kind of springboards Ray off the ropes and uh, spikes him with a power bomb. So that's a nice spot. Nidia runs in just at this point, just runs into the ring for some reason. <laughs> and then uh, obviously a little bit contrived, but they both get knocked into a six one nine position. The 1200, the, the 1238 <laughs> is Tess. <laughs> it's a great tassel. Um, so he hits them both with a six one nine hits the West coast, West coast pop on Noble to get the win. And like I said a minute ago, Ray's just kind of finding a groove right now. They don't have a whole lot to do with him. Like he doesn't have anything big going on, but this is a good spot for him. He just has these opening opening matches that are kind of sprints that he's perfect for. I mean, he's like, you can't find a guy better to do this kind of match than him. And I always like Noble, and I thought Nidia played her role well. And like all her interference spots I thought were really well-timed and good. So um, even for just a short match to open the show, I ended up going two and a half. So already better than anything on Raw, Matt. Uh, I'm with you 100%. Uh, I went two and a half on it, too. This was like a fucking breath of fresh air after that suck shit episode of Raw. And, yeah, absolutely better than everything in that two hours of uh, of uh, Monday night goodness. Uh, yeah, just Rey Mysterio going out there doing his thing for five minutes. I'm all in on. And he just, at this point, he's just so fucking good thing he hits looks fantastic uh the double six uh, the 1238 i guess i should call it was uh was fantastic looking oh what a great line from taz but yeah just a super fun sprint uh ray ray's west coast pop is always impressive to me like what it takes to do that uh, i will never know the science of that i just i don't understand it jake i i never will but uh yeah a great way to start this show a breath of fresh air two and a half for me it's like wild to me that in this era, Ray, it's, you know, cause obviously I was like the baggy pants now, probably because he's wearing the knee braces and stuff. But the fact that he's had like probably five knee surgeries or whatever by this point, and he's, mm-hmm. this is him like, oh, you know, he lost a step and this is what he is. It's just insane. Right. The dude is just like a transcendent talent. Like he still like flies around. It, it's amazing. But yeah, fun match. Glad to see Noble back. I'm hoping he gets a little more involved, but yeah, good stuff to start. Uh, but we move on. We get uh, Rock via satellite again, live from Hollywood. Um, he does the fine lease back in Philly, even though he says he's not in Philly. Uh, and he's making some cheesesteak. Just kidding. He would never eat that because he's lactose intolerant. And last time he got it, he uh, pretty much tells us he got the farts and then makes mm-hmm. a bunch of fart noises. Uh, instead, he says he wants some Tampa Bay tofu. <laughs> I don't know if that's like a euphemism. Uh, the crowd is chanting for Hogan. Uh, either I don't know if it was legitimately chanting for Hogan or if this was piped in. It's always hard to tell on SmackDown because mm. they can kind of do what they want on these. But um, and there's definitely some booze. I don't know if they were piped in or legitimate, but either way, there's some booze. Hogan chants, um, and he says that he's noticed some booze. But that's what they do. They boo Philadelphia. They boo all the greats. They boo McNabb. Boo Mike Smith. Uh, but they don't boo Hogan. Uh, that makes fun of Hogan's recent commercials. Um, I forget who he said was in the commercial. There was like some, oh, Terry uh, Bradshaw. Terry was, Bradshaw, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that he makes fun of those. Um, th- there's someone off screen, <laughs> like whoever he's talking to, <laughs> that keeps uh, shut your mouth and make some tofu. <laughs> and uh, 
he finally ends it by saying that he's going to um, lay the smack down and no way out. And um, yeah, he kind of wraps with that. So I thought it was solid rock. It's not like an amazing rock promo is a, a bit rambling, but you know, he gets some entertaining stuff in there. I thought the tofu thing was kind of funny. Um, and like, I thought he did a good job, especially it being via satellite, which kind of mm-hmm. takes away one of his strengths, which is just his ability to work the crowd. I think being via satellite kind of messes with that a bit, but I still thought it was like a, um, a replacement level rock promo, which is still pretty good. Yeah. This, this was definitely uh pretty good stuff, but uh, you just said it. You're absolutely right. I, I think this would have hit more if he was actually in the building instead of being via satellite. It was, uh, I mean, it was still good for what it was, but it was definitely missing that extra thing of the crowd just, you know, booing him, cheering him, doing their thing. Because I feel like they were a little bit tepid during this at points. And I do think some of those boos to me sounded like they were piped in or sweetened a little bit. So maybe that's what they were doing. But. Yeah, it was fine. It was fairly basic. Uh, definitely more heelish from Rock than mm-hmm. we that we than we have seen prior to this. So that's interesting, and it looks like he's probably going to be the heel going into that Hogan match, which makes sense. I mean, you can't really do it face versus face. I, I mean, I, I guess you could, but they shouldn't. So uh, <laughs> that's that's a good move. But yeah, it was. I mean, Rock just has. Uh, stop me if you've heard this before. Rock is a very charismatic fellow. So uh, uh, any. Right. He says at this point is uh, at a baseline of being good. So, yeah, but I, I do think it would have been better if he was actually there. Right. And, I th- and we'll get to it. But I think another issue is that um, he kind of with this has to a lot fall back on just kind of doing some goofy shit like the tofu and, you know, trolling mm-hmm. the Philly fans and stuff because the feud itself doesn't really have a whole lot to it. It's just kind of right. like a rematch for a rematch sake. So. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not the last we'll hear of Rock. We'll see him a bit in a minute. But we'll go into our next match. Uh, um, you talked about uh, on Raw, but uh, here's how's this for some filler. We had Rikishi versus Nunzio. <laughs> like, it sounds like a Ryan Gray uh, velocity special there. But, uh, <laughs> what a random match. Uh, so Nunzio tries to sweep the legs. The good old-fashioned little guy trying to take on a big guy. But he gets smashed like Don Morocco's cheesesteak by a rump shake. It's just <laughs> complete squat, like literal squash. Like he just Durkishi knocks him down and then mm. smashes him with his giant ass. Um, like as the, this is a, the highlight of this match was Taz saying, uh, he got crushed by that tremendous ass. Just amazing. <laughs> amazing Taz line. Uh, so I ended up going to star on it. We'll talk about the, uh, the post-match in a second. Yeah, I mean, this uh, this was uh, certainly a squash. Nunzio got his shit pushed in, so, I mean, it was probably a minute long. The bonsai drop was fucking sick that he hit him with. Just absolutely brutal, but yeah, not much here, so star for me. All right, so after the match, Rikishi goes to do his uh, too cool dance, but Nunzio recovers, grabs a mic, and says that um, his people will not like that, and then um, Rikishi has made a big mistake, so... Maybe um, implying that we may see someone who's going to back up Nunzio soon. Who mm. I guess should be Jamie Noble since his cousin, but I guess they kind of <laughs> dropped that shit. <laughs> so we'll see. I mean, you definitely feel like it's going to be something like um, mafia related, just knowing mm-hmm. wrestling. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, that is that is the stereotype they're going with. So yeah, that's that's pretty much what it's going to be. <laughs> 
We'll see if uh, Rikishi's going to sleep with the fishes next week, but mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. see what happens, and we will head on. Uh, Paul Heyman's out to address the box, so he moves it with the extremely expensive and gigantic crane into the <laughs> ring. Big Show, as usual, is not here, um, but he says that he wants Taker to come out. Taker rides down on the motorcycle. Uh, Taker starts to mess with the box a bit, and then opens it up to reveal Brother Love. So, very random. Mm-hmm. Brother Love shows out. Um, he comes out in a very Brother Love way, cuts a very meandering promo, like says that he's the one that brought Taker to WWE, and that he should know love and for- that he knows love and forgiveness because he learned from Brother Love, and he should show love and forgiveness for Big Show. And of course, Taker just choke slams him. Uh, and I mean, that's it. That's the that's the box. <laughs> So I'm glad at least if they're not, I'm glad they didn't do like raw and milk the boxes. If it was going to be something like amazing. Mm. I mean, I get it. They were going for like, Hey, look, brother love city of brotherly love. I get it. And like, just a kind of a nostalgia pop for brother love, take her choke slams them, you know, whatever. Like, I guess they're trying to say Heyman mind games. It definitely seems a little bit random. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It's just a kind of a silly segment. Brother love showed up. Uh, it was fine, but nothing amazing. <laughs> yeah, it it was very random, and uh, Brother Love would not shut the fuck up. Good <laughs> God, that that promo may still be going on. Holy shit! Just he, he's he's talking about nothing. Like good good lord, <laughs> what, what's wrong with you? I was gonna get a blue uh, chew ad in the middle of the promo. Jeez, fucking guy needs an editor. Uh, <laughs> it, it's. <laughs> it's such a weird way to advance a taker show feud. And I mean, again, like we've mentioned, no way out is clearly a filler pay-per-view, but taker show is kind of a big match. I mean, to my knowledge, they haven't really wrestled each other that much. If they have, it's probably been like on a random raw somewhere. So, I mean, it is kind of a big match and it's just a weird way to kind of advance that storyline but at least it was a thing that had a payoff unlike raw so i'll gi- i'll give it credit for having a payoff and for the payoff i mean not being great but it was it it was fine for what it was and look there there's history there between brother love and taker so it does make sense so i mean this was fine just jesus christ brother love shut up <laughs> good lord <laughs> right Right, like you said, like at least get in, get the cheap pop, and and move on. Like we didn't get seventeen segments where, you know, they zoom in on the box and then take us <laughs> looking at the box. Like they didn't milk it like that. It's like, hey, look, here's the box. Oh, look, bro loves in the box. He gets choke slam. Isn't that funny? Move on. Right. Bye-bye. You didn't. You didn't. You didn't bring out Brad Pitt to scream what's in the box or anything like that. <laughs> so that was <laughs> right. All right. So um, we see Hulk Hogan walking around um, backstage. He sees Brock. They have a bit of a stare down. Brock tells him, welcome back. And um, Hogan walks off apprehensively. So I'm not really sure what that was meant to do. I don't. They're not really involved with each other right now. I don't think they will be anytime soon. Just kind of a, I honestly don't really know what the point of that was. Yeah. Uh, it was a, I know you. Hey, I know you type of thing. Very weird. I guess maybe I'm naive to think everything's going to have a purpose on these shows. I don't know. <laughs> well, they're. Anyway. There is that. <laughs> All right. All right. We move to the Hardy brother who is um, doing a little bit better for himself recently. Uh, Matt Hardy is going to be facing Kidman. Our Matt facts for the night are that Matt has a TV DVD player in his car and that he usually exceeds the speed limit. Mm. Should give his brother that advice. Uh, to not do that. 
Um, but uh, <laughs> I kind of forgot that Billy is that Kidman is the uh, cruiserweight champion because he yeah. hasn't done jack shit with it recently. Mm-hmm. He came out with the title, and I was like, oh, he is the champion. Uh, but they kind of start off Matt uses Shan as a decoy to um, hit a side effect early. Taz is the whole time. Taz is like, I don't know when he got on this tangent, but he's like <laughs> singing all these like, I guess like metal songs or like 80 songs. Like he's singing the Scorpions. I don't know what kind of bullshit is on, but uh, Billy Kidman comes back with some nice drop kicks and some good old Kidman kind of snap off and suplexes and whatnot. Uh, he goes to the shooting star, but Matt breaks that up. And um, Kidman is able to steal it after that with a jackknife roll-up. Matt is in shock, and you kind of see that Shannon has a slight smile because Matt has been giving him a bunch of shit for losing his matches, and then Matt lost his. Um, Which, again, most of these Matt Hardy matches, you're not going to get some classic match. It's much more about building his character, and I thought it did a decent job of that, like pushing the, the Matt and Shannon stuff by twisting it that Matt has lost the match which I don't know where we're going to go with the payoff to this, but it at least does push things forward. And the match was decent because both of these guys can go in a short match and do some, at least a few cool things. So I went two stars. Yeah, two for me too. Uh, another uh, pretty fun uh, sprint here tonight. Another quick match was like five minutes again, sort of like Ray and Noble. But um, these guys actually had pretty good chemistry with one another. So I thought, uh, you know, two guys you wouldn't necessarily think would have great chemistry with one another. I mean, Kidman's great, but Matt Hardy is usually hit or miss depending on what he's doing. So I thought that was interesting that they worked well together. Uh, like you said, Taz at one point just fucking singing the scorpions like i don't know if he was <laughs> i don't know if he was having a stroke on the air or what but somebody needs to check on taz because uh, i don't know what the hell he was talking like there was nothing that would even <laughs> lead him to start singing that so i don't unless cole fucking mentioned a hurricane or something i don't know it was just real strange but uh yeah n- not much more to add it was a really uh fun fast-paced match so uh maybe we'll see a rematch we'll see but uh yeah two stars for me and uh, after the match matt declares that um after this loss he's going to drop weight so he can take the cruiserweight belt away from kidman as revenge and um an actual good cl- uh clever michael cole line is he offers him some stacker too <laughs> to lose weight <laughs> So he can fight for the cruiserweight title. So put that a rare clever of, Michael Cole. Put that in the list of most <laughs> 2003 things. Fucking stacker too. Good Lord. Right. All right. We then head backstage where we have Angle telling his boys to uh, soar like eagles, but not like the Philadelphia Eagles who disgrace themselves on their own home field. <laughs> so uh, just good, good old Angle getting some uh, cheap heat with the fans and uh, talking up his boys. Because they're going to be in a big tag team title match against the Guerreros, who haven't really done a whole lot with their tag team titles lately. But uh, Team Angle won the number one contendership last week, and this definitely seems like a a cool match on paper. We'll see how it goes. But um, Heyman is out with them. Haven't uh, they haven't pushed that connection much recently? Like the idea that Heyman is involved with Team Angle, they've kind of Heyman's sort of been doing the Big Show thing, but they kind of push it here, having hang, Angle. Sorry. Heyman Angle, <laughs> Heyman Angle, out on the outside. But uh, we uh, we start with Shelton and Chavo. They exchange some chain wrestling. Eddie tags in, does the same. All of this is well executed. Like obviously Eddie particularly can go, and the uh, uh, team Angle can really go with the chain wrestling. Just good back and forth. Team Angle's working smoothly, best especially for some young guys. Chavo gets dumped, and they fear he's going to be injured, but he's able to stay in the match. 
they kind of isolate Chavo. They do a sick double team move where they kind of hang him on the ropes and do a leapfrog onto him, which is pretty cool. We get the hot tag to Eddie, and it just reminded me, like, because he was a heel for so long going into this, like, he's moving more towards that babyface Eddie, which, I mean, he's great as a heel, but it was kind of cool to see him back to face Eddie because his offense is used so much great fire when he comes in as a hot tag as a face. Um, everything he does looks great. Like, he hits the rolling verticals. Just He has great snap to all his offense, just crisp as hell. Uh, he hits a superplex. They go for, like, kind of a double team where Eddie hit, um, sorry, Chavo hits a superplex. Oh, actually, I think it was Eddie who, for this first one hit the superplex, mm-hmm. and then Chavo goes for the frog splash. Um, but Shelton breaks the pin. Uh, he hits a tornado DDT. Um, Chavo does, and then uh, Eddie's going for the frog splash. Shelton pushes him off. Shelton dies. Chavo dies on the Shelton. So now it's Haas and Eddie. Kyoto, like you can tell by me trying to recap this, Kyoto's like losing control. It's real fast and furious. Heyman tries to interfere. Chavo grabs him. Eddie hits the frog splash but um, on Shelton. But in all the chaos, um, he didn't realize that Haas is actually a legal man. And Haas rolls him up for the uh, the big upset in the title win for Team Angle. So um, and I was on and you know, to kind of get what they're trying to get across, I didn't even know who was legal. But it was well done. Like, uh, you know, you know, we talked about it. And it's hard not to – I always say it's hard not to compare Raw and SmackDown. Mm-hmm. But you could see the huge difference here. Like we said in that Booker T and Goldust match in Regal and Storm, they gave him like three minutes. They didn't get to do anything. This, they give it time. They invest the time into it where it feels like a big deal. All the wrestlers look like money in this. Even the Guerreros in, in losing, they build some drama. The crowd gets invested. Uh, they build to like this awesome, furious like climax in the end with all this insanity at the end. Um, but they didn't. They still executed it well, even though it got kind of chaotic. Like Team Angle taking advantage of all the chaos and like Eddie not realizing that he wasn't hitting the legal man. So just it was an awesome match. Uh, I just love the way they amped it up as the match went on. Like starting with the chain wrestling, and then slowly the match just kind of turns into chaos. And uh, yeah, I love this. I thought it was really awesome. I ended up going three and a half on it, Matt. Uh, three and a half for me as well. Uh, yeah, just a great TV match. <laughs> Uh, this match and a match we will see later on tonight is the thing that separates SmackDown from Raw. Because you are not going to see guys on Raw <laughs> do a match like this. Even if you have the the talent there to do a match like this, the guys that run Raw will not <laughs> let it happen because that's not the type of thing Raw goes for. That's just how it is. SmackDown is the wrestling show. Raw is the storyline show. It's always been that way. It's It's... Uh, abundantly clear at this point that that's what this is because you just weren't going to see a match like this on Raw. Yeah, uh, this was great stuff. I mean, the chain wrestling was great. Haas and Benjamin are already so fucking good (laughs) and they haven't Mm -hmm. been here all that long. It's crazy how good they are and just how well they mesh together as a team and mesh with the Guerreros. It's, It's great to see. I mean, uh, the last five minutes of this match are crazy, just the way they're trading moves. And I I love the finish. I thought the finish was super creative with, uh, you know, Eddie not realizing that Shelton wasn't the legal man and then Haas rolling him up. I thought that was so great and just so creative. And another thing that separates SmackDown from Raw is creative finishes like that. That's a finish you don't see 
all that often. So yeah, a uh, big win for team angle, huge upset and just a, a great TV match. Dare I say a hidden gem, a match uh, you, you don't often hear about when talking about like the best matches in SmackDown history. Uh, uh, this one is up there. It's definitely a hidden gem three and a half for me. Yep. I would definitely agree. And um, they've done a good job of getting team angle over it. Like they've just done it so well and they've got them over by being associated with angle who's kind of put them over and like giving them the rub by being his boys, but then also by their ring work. Cause I mean, they're not cutting promos or anything. So by those two things, they've gotten these guys over and you don't like them winning the titles. Doesn't feel like force. Like, I oh, mean, they're giving these guys the titles. It feels right. legit. Like it doesn't feel like they forced it just well executed the whole way. So mm-hmm. awesome stuff kind of in the middle of the show. All right, but now we get our Hogan time. And so this is the point, if you were um, prepping for the show, man, if you were taking your notes, you could have got up and used the bathroom or something because <laughs> it was about four minutes of the crowd just <laughs> cheering Hogan and him standing in the ring, taking uh, um, the crowd um, cheers. I'm fairly certain that's exactly what I did, Jake. So. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, oh, here's Hogan's entrance. Huh? And they just let that, that fucking dub rip. That, that, awful, um, that, child god awful, that god awful voodoo child dub. Jesus. It, it almost makes me as angry as the new jack dub makes on ecw <laughs> right because it uh we'll, we'll talk about it in a minute but uh it keeps playing just like the new jack one <laughs> but uh, before before hogan can get going uh rock interrupts him via satellite so he just pops up on the titan drawing he tells hogan that he looks good um i i don't know if it's like philadelphia was the thing but i was just thinking um rock being in this random room feels very ecw like it ECW did so many promos where it's just like a guy sitting in like a hotel lobby or something. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of had that energy. But Mm -hmm. uh, Rock says that when he he points, that's when Hogan talks. I I thought that was a real funny move by Rock, like kind of making fun of the whole idea of a via satellite promo. Just like when I point at you, you talk. Um, He yawns while Hogan's starting to get going. Um, (laughs) Like Hogan, the whole thing is like Hogan keeps trying to talk and Rock just keeps cutting them off. Like uh, he tells Hogan to fast forward to all, and just get to his main, <laughs> like just fast forward and get to your main shit. You're going to have, uh, you know, say your, eat your vitamins and say your prayers. You know, we know the whole thing. Just, just get to the point. Uh, keeps interrupting him. Uh, just all about the tofu again. <laughs> like, uh, which I thought was funny now considering if you, there's like that famous thing of like Rock's diet and he eats like six pounds of meat per day. Right. Like I, but uh, in this, he just keeps talking about the fucking tofu. Rock says, remind him to whip his ass, and then he kind of pieces out. So um, <laughs> before Hogan can really get any kind of words in, Rock has come in, given his shoulder spiel, and just pieced out. So I, I really dug this. I feel like that early one was just him kind of doing basic stuff. I think this was getting into more like good Rock stuff. And you almost feel bad for Hogan, like he can't keep up with Rock in this, what he's doing, interrupting him. It's like, wait, no, you point when I talk. Uh, yeah, you'll get to your fucking same old Hogan shit in a second. Just hold on. Just, I dug this uh, Rock promo. Yeah. Uh, and to uh, Hogan definitely <laughs> couldn't keep up with what Rock was doing here. Because, I mean, Rock is kind of right here, <laughs> you know. That's that's the thing is there's a there's a little bit of truth to this is that Hogan kind of does do the same shtick over and over again, and I think that's why it worked is because Rock is pointing out something that's honest to God true is that Hogan does kind of do the same shtick. So 
And uh, <laughs> I don't want to say Hogan was in over his head, but you can definitely tell that I think he wasn't exactly uh, like comfortable, <laughs> exactly comfortable with what uh, what he had to do here, like Rock being via satellite and trying to work that in. Like Hogan kind of felt a little off to me, but. Yeah, uh, Rock is just, he's incredible during this run. This was, yeah, this was a lot better than the first uh, thing we saw Rock do. So, yeah, great stuff from him. And and so when he cuts off, then Hogan gets to do his whole promo. And, you know, to be fair, that is kind of, Rock gets criticized for that sometimes. Like, like some people probably listen to this and say that he's kind of like, like one-upping Hogan, like making Hogan look bad. But I think for what they're doing, I mean, who cares? Like, mm-hmm. right. they're just kind of doing a rematch thing. But uh, Hogan gets the mic now, and he can find another Rock's going. He gets to talk. He says he got that Rock got booed out of the building at Raw 10th. Um, he says that Vince has been lying about everything. He's full of shit. Uh, that Vince is scared to get in the ring to him. And then he puts over the No Way Out match and then calls Rock, uh, Rock and Jabroni. So... <laughs> Definitely, he's definitely not as clever as Rock. It is yeah. Rock and Jabroni. Um, yeah, but yeah, he come. He's definitely coming off a little bit like an old fart here. Like, um, yeah. it seems like the crowd's still into him, but I think you said he seems a bit in over his head trying to. Ch- he's definitely not going to trade barbs with Rock in this, but uh, and it's it's very weird too because the real feud is him and Vince, but they have this no way out match that he has right. to try and put over, but uh. Yeah, and then he says that no way out they're gonna the Hulkamaniacs are gonna boo Rock out of the building, but it's just a weird build because the build is just like, hey, look, this doesn't have any juice, but um, it's even if it's only half as cool as the Mania match, I mean that's still not bad, right? Like you just want to <laughs> see this again. I mean it's a big deal. Like yeah, there's really no, there's really nothing to the feud. Like it doesn't have that natural. Like the Mania 18 match is like, hey, these are two icons, you know. But now that they've already done that. What's the Besides just like, hey, we're doing it again. There's really no, there's no storyline to it. Right. It's it's very like, you want to have a rematch? Okay. And then that's it. You know, there, like there's there's no story to it really at all. I mean, now there is kind of be, because, you know, they're having the promo stuff. But even still, it's just promos. It's not really a story as to why they're having the match. Uh Hogan calling Rock a Rock a jabroni was one of the cringiest things I've ever heard. <laughs> it's just so bad. Like, Jesus Christ, Hogan. Like, anything else, Rock a jabroni. Good. L- it sounds like a bad Disney movie. <laughs> Rock a jabroni. Yes. Uh, it's just. And I loved that Rock was pointing all this shit out, you know, the hand motions and all that. Oh, you do the same thing. They'll say your prayers, eat your vitamins, the hand motions. And then Hogan fucking does the shtick anyway at the end of the promo with doing the hand waving and all that stuff, which I mean, it's his thing, but rock literally just pointed out that you do the same thing every week. You know, it's just, that was a little weird to me, but yeah, I think, like I said before, Hogan I mean, it was still pretty good by Hogan standards, but I think he just got outclassed by Rock. So, and like he he just keeps talking about Vince because that's where like the feud is. Like that's where the right. juice. Like he doesn't know what to say to Rock because there's like nothing to say. So he just kind of falls back on generic. Like, you know, Hulkamania, you're getting booed out the building. The fans love me. 
whatever. It's really not a whole lot. Right. It's not a lot of and he even there. he even mentions he even mentions Vince in the promo at the be- at the very beginning. Right. He says something like he's going to kick the shit out of Vince or something like that. So I mean, clearly, clearly that's the main focus. And then, but they have to get through this Rock match to get to the Vince match. Right. All right. So for the first time after all these vignettes, Sean O'Hara is actually in the building, and this is where so he's talking to Brian Kendrick backstage, and the but the Hogan dub is like still blaring, so you can barely <laughs> understand what he's saying. So the Peacock, uh, you get on that. Uh, poor Sean O'Hara is kind of making his semi debut here, and can even hear what the hell he's saying. But he he tells um, Brian Kendricks that. Uh, you know, Kendrick tells him he'll do anything to make it big, and he tells him to run around with just a scarf like the guy did in the Nike Shocks commercial. So, really trying to, they're really trying to um, replicate this Nike. I feel like I vaguely remember this, like a Nike Shocks yeah. streaking commercial. Mm-hmm. Um, so he wants Brian Kendrick to streak. So Brian Kendrick says, "You want me to streak?" <laughs> <laughs> um, and then he just says, "I'm not telling you anything you don't already know," which. Is, doesn't make any sense in the moment. No, um, <laughs> no, it doesn't. Kendrick obliges. He starts dropping trial. So um, he's going to be streaking. Uh, we come back from the break. Albert is making his, um, I should say, a train is making his um, entrance. <laughs> and a, a blurred Kendrick just runs past him <laughs> as the refs are just trying to grab him. It's like I mentioned earlier, um, old school. Maybe they're ahead because I don't know if old school would even come out since they're running the ads. But uh, mm. he's streaking. Uh, he runs near the comment commentary table, runs to the crowd. I, I wonder how they did this live. Like, I wonder if he was just wearing like a flesh colored. Like, that's my guess. You know? Yeah, that's my guess. Something or like a jock strap or something. A modesty sleeve. <laughs> yeah. Some sort of sock type implement like flea. <laughs> but uh yeah, so he um he's um I don't know. These things are just so like, I don't know what to say about it. It's just like, I, I mean, so Brian Kendrick, I mean, I'm sorry, Sean O'Hare's character is going to make people do crazy stuff. Brian Kendrick's just, I don't know. I guess this is going to get him over. I guess it's memorable. I don't know. Like, is the implication with Sean O'Hare that it's Sean O'Hare supposed to be like, oh, the devil made me do it type of thing? Like, is that what we're doing here? <laughs> it's just, it's very fucking weird. I don't get it. Like, and like, does Sean O'Hare have manipulation powers? Like, it's very strange. Right. Yeah, I guess like Brian Kendrick's character this one is like he's just willing to do anything to get over at, or like to make it in WWE. It's it's odd. But in the midst of all this, Albert actually makes his way down to the ring to have his match with Shannon Moore, um, which is a complete squash. He just destroys Shannon Moore. Um and they continue to just keep saying this is this is just like the Nike Shocks commercial. Um, so no, I'm not giving a lot to this match, but it was like nothing. I mean, Albert just beats Shannon more in like 40 seconds. So I ended up going a half a star on that. Um, any thoughts on the match, Matt? Yeah, it was literally 30 seconds long. I went a uh, half a star because it was a perfectly fine squash. But yeah, not much. Um, the bigger thing here and more entertaining is the refs are trying to corral Brian Kendrick who was very elusive. <laughs> They're like having a hell of a time trying to find him. I was surprised. Uh, there's a famous clip of Kyoto, like fucking beating the shit out of that fan that like jumped into mm-hmm. the ring with triple H. So I was surprised Kyoto didn't uh, put him in a, you know, rear naked choke or something, <laughs> but uh, he ends up escaping. Uh, <laughs> the Taz had a, this is a 
I mean, all Taz's nights are good. We had some good lines like this week. What's Shawn Michaels like? He pretty much like, what's Shawn Michaels teaching at that wrestling school? <laughs> <laughs> this guy's coming out on a, um, you know, it's a dressed like a bellhop, and then he comes out streaking the next week. Like, what the fuck's going on, Shawn? <laughs> uh, I guess I enjoyed it for the absurdity. I don't even know. Yeah. I mean,. I don't know if it's going to necessarily go anywhere, but I mean, look, it was entertaining seeing this. Uh, uh, he, he runs very fast, so he's and he was the way he was able to outrun those referees was very impressive. But yeah, I mean, it was it was entertaining for what it was, and the live crowd got a show. So hey, yeah, I mean, um, and so they ended. He after the break, um, he's still running down the hallway, and he runs in on Stephanie, who is on the phone. Um, he sends her office, uh, introduces himself. She's straight staring at his penis. Um, uh-huh. And then he's finally apprehended. He says he's excited to meet her. And she says, I can see that. So apparently he has a stark erection during all this. Uh, <laughs> even though it's blurred for us. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'll give <laughs> Brian Kendrick's neighbors will be getting a, note, uh, a notice in the mail. That he's probably now a registered <laughs> sex offender for <laughs> uh, Yeah. yeah. Uh, I will say Stephanie oh. did look uh, did look uh, rather impressed by what he was packing there. So yeah, you're staring straight at Schlong. Good, 100%. good on, good on him, I guess, for packing heat. But <laughs> she's staring at his uh, spanky, <laughs> his wanky. Yeah. Uh, so, all right. So after uh, <laughs> after um, Brian Kendrick slinging his penis around <laughs> Philadelphia. <laughs> We uh we had the John Cena who's heading out to the ring to cut a rap about Brock, um so kind of random he's just kind of going after the top dog here. Uh, mm-hmm. He says that it, you know he goes to his rap up uh, some key lines out here where uh, F five stands for fee five fo fum. So he, a lot of this is him calling uh, Brock an idiot like a like a big oaf. Uh, he says the next big thing is when he takes his pants off. I thought that was a good one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in summation, he's challenging Brock next week. So a real big spot for Cena, who's kind of been more in the lower to mid card. He just kind of came out here and challenged Brock. So big spot for Cena. We'll see how it goes for him next week. But I thought his rap was entertaining enough. I thought it was inter- – I'm glad to see him doing something different because it was kind of every week him coming out doing the Guerrero stuff, just saying like really racist shit. And so it's mm-hmm. kind of good for him to pivot. Yeah, it's a big step up for Cena. We'll see if he's uh, we'll see if he's able to uh, deliver in that biggest spot. But yeah, uh, the rap is good. Cena's very talented at the rapping thing, despite the uh, despite the racism over the past couple of weeks. He is rather talented. He has a rhyming dictionary, I'm sure. But uh, yeah, uh, we'll we'll see how he does in the Brock match. But I believe at this time they were already starting to get him to uh, record some raps to maybe put mm-hmm. together some kind of album. Right. All right. So it, it hasn't been talked about a lot during the show, but we get to our main event, which is going to be uh, Benoit versus Angle. And so um, I think for my purposes and, um, you know, watching these week in, week out, I mean, obviously these guys put on great matches, but I do think at this point they're getting a bit to the point of oversaturation with these two where it kind of feels like they have um, – you know, in case of emergency, break glass and put Benoit and Angle out there because, you know, they're right. going to have a great match. Yep. So it is like I've seen it a lot at this point, but it doesn't mean it's not good. I mean, it's, you know, I'm not going to go move for move with this. It's just like snap offense, a lot of really stu- uh, snug and stiff strikes, physical, 
great reversals and counters. They just go back and forth. Um, a few spots I noted there's a buckle bomb at one point, which is not something you see a lot in this era in WWE for sure. Um, so that kind of struck me. Um, the be- That whole sequence, um, it's like a buckle bomb into a belly-to-belly. And the elevation is just absolutely insane on the belly-to-belly. Um, Bill winds up busted open at the end. Um, they kind of go at it for a little bit longer. Benoit goes up for the headbutt, but Angle moves at the last moment, just like so well done. I mean, at the last possible second, yep. he just rolls out of the way just barely. Like, all I can think about is earlier, it's like these things that you, you can take for granted where guys are these good. Like, in that Maven match where, like, it was so <laughs> awful, where, like, Maven took 20 seconds to set up and Delos just standing there the whole time. It just looks so stupid. And this is just perfectly executed by these guys who are just, like, pros. But uh, he ends up working that. After Benoit missed the uh, headbutt, Angle works into the Angle slam for a pretty clean win. So I ended up going three and a quarter. And I could be underrating it. It's, it's one of these things where maybe I'm starting to become desensitized to it because I've seen them so many times. But I know it's good. It's, it's an awesome main event. Um, good win for Angle. And, um, yeah, three and a quarter for me. Yeah, uh, a great way to end the show. I went three and a half on it. Just a fantastic match. I mean, uh, it was a sprint, really. It was just about 10 minutes, and I I wonder if they went home a little bit early because of that gnarly Benoit cut. I I thought that Mm -hmm. was pretty rough, and I think it was from that buckle bomb sequence. I think it was from the belly-to-belly. I think they knocked heads, and I think that's what cut Benoit open. At least that's what it looked like because the cut showed up like right after that. But just a great match. I mean, these guys are just, they know each other so well. They've been wrestling each other for, you know, three, two, three years at this point. And they just know each other. They can have a great match with each other blindfolded at this point. I mean, yeah, it's a fantastic match. And you said it best. This very much felt like a in-case-of-emergency-break-glass type of match. Because, I mean, storyline-wise, there wasn't much going on here on this show. There was, like, good promos and stuff. But as far as, like, advancing storylines, there wasn't a ton. But, you know, we talked about it earlier. This is the thing that SmackDown has over Raw, is they can take Angle and Benoit and tell them, go out there and kill 12 minutes and put on a banger of a match. And they can do that and Raw at this point. They just fucking can't. Unless, you know, you're doing Shawn Michaels and Jericho in like a best of 3000 series. Like, Raw just doesn't have the (laughs) to do a match like this. So, I mean, that's what SmackDown has over Raw at this point. But, yeah, great way to end the show. Uh, I would make the argument that this is another hidden gem on this episode. Sort of like the tag title match. So, yeah, uh, definitely seek this one out if you haven't seen it. Uh, Just an awesome sprint. So, three and a half. Yep. And so to, uh, to end this angle, uh, he he lifts the hand of uh, Bloody Benoit and um, the kind of Benoit's apprehensive angle goes for the handshake. And I have to give him credit. Even I kind of bet on this a little bit that maybe he mm-hmm. was just going to give him the handshake. They go, he gives him the handshake. But of course, Team Angle pounces immediately and they beat Benoit down. Edge comes out for the save and then Brock comes to a big pop. Crowd really um, reacts to Brock and then Brock kind of cleans house and stands tall and uh, they kind of hyped the Cena match for next week, which is a little odd because Cena wasn't even involved in this, but um, mm-hmm. just kind of allows them to get Brock on screen and lets him close the show and just not let us forget that Brock is kind of a top dog. So, And that's how we end the show. Um, yeah, I thought it was really well done. Uh, the the handshake, like you, I, I thought they were just going to you know, kind of keep it 
on the down low and not have any shenanigans. But uh, yeah, uh, so I bid on that too. I thought it was really well done. And so, uh, yeah, that wraps up SmackDown. You know, I don't think it's like the greatest SmackDown. Like you said, I don't think a whole lot of stuff happened on this. But it's it's typical of these like these SmackDown shows that they have a, like a high floor. Like they move quickly. You, you always get at least a couple pretty good matches on this one. We got two really good matches. Um, it feels like things progress. Like we didn't get like a huge angle or anything, but we kind of set up Brock and Cena, which is interesting. They continue to push along Undertaker and Big Show. Uh, you know, the good matches, all that kind of comes together for a nice little, uh, a nice little entertaining wrestling show. So I end up going six out of 10 on this one. Yeah. Uh, I went a scotch higher than you. I went six and a half. Uh, the non-wrestling segments were kind of hit or miss, but I mean, all the matches were either great or at least served some sort of purpose. So, uh, they certainly have that (laughs) going for them. So yeah, I, I feel like the baseline for SmackDown at this point is at least watchable or decent. Mm -hmm. And I think this, this was uh, a bit above that. So six and a half for me. Okay. All right, um, best match. So we'll get to our awards. Best match, I think I'm going to go with the tag title match for me. Ooh, I went three and a half on both of those on the tag title match in Angle Benoit. I think because of the title change, I'm going to go with the tag title match. Works for me. Um, Best moment, I'm going to go with that team angle catch, getting the win, winning the tag titles. Yep, 100%. Best show, I think we're in agreement, SmackDown. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Not even a debate. Um, LVP, uh, I went Dreamer just because he <laughs> went out and just got stomped immediately. Though I do think you could make an argument for Steiner. Uh, yeah, you can make an argument for a lot of people on Raw. But, <laughs> right. But, uh, uh, yeah, I feel like it kind of has to be Steiner. He's just, he's just fucking awful at this point. <laughs> There's no two ways about it. He's terrible. He's cooked, yeah. Um, MVP, I would just want with Team Angle. Yeah, yep, same. Um, some standout performances besides our MVP. Um, I did, I felt like I wanted to pick something from Ross. I went with Evolution just because they did their speech where they kind of established themselves. Um, mm-hmm. Definitely Benoit for getting his face busted and putting on performance in the main event. Uh, Ray, I thought was really good in the opener. I think Brock looks like a top dog. And then the Guerreros, I thought brought in that tag match. Uh, yeah, you hit on everybody I had. I mean, uh, if you want to add a gold dust for being electrocuted, <laughs> I mean, he, he did sell the electrocution rather well. I'll give him that as stupid as it was. He did do a good job selling it. So I'll, Sorry, I'll, dude. I'll throw one to Goldie. <laughs> Whatever King says that he. He does have a pulse. I was like, what are we doing? <laughs> like, especially like, I mean, I know it's not to be that guy, but like someone actually died in your ring, like just a right. few years ago. Like, uh, come on. Jeez. <laughs> Maybe don't do the somber voice unless someone actually dies again. <laughs> right. Anyway. Um, but that wraps us up, Matt. Uh, thanks for coming on. Sorry you had to suffer through that uh, interminable <laughs> raw, but I think we made the most of it talking through it. Look, uh, I think uh, some of the best work we do here uh, in, in the uh, the quad of pods, the collective, is when the shows are terrible. So uh, always a pleasure to be here, Jake. Very good. Um, tell us what you have going on podcast-wise. 
Well, all kinds of stuff. You already mentioned it, the extreme three-way dance right here on the No-So feed. Uh, We are inching closer towards Barely Legal, which is a massive show for ECW, the first ECW pay-per-view. So uh, give that show if you haven't listened to it yet. Uh, we got Highway to the Impact Zone over on the Place to Be Nation wrestling feed, which Jake is a part of, where we go through uh, TNA. We're currently in 2005, coming up on their big show, Bound for Glory. So looking forward to uh, watching that. And uh, you can also find me on uh, YouTube Roulette. Also with Jake, as we mentioned before, it turns out me and Jake do a lot of shows together. So uh, where we just watch random matches on YouTube, and that's that show is uh, great fun to do, so give that a listen as well. And uh, you can find me on that their Twitter machine, at msusa1991. Very good. Yeah, um, I've just recently started doing the ECW Crown Watch, so I have a lot of catching up to do, but um, I would highly recommend checking out the pod and following along, as um, ECW is very interesting, and it, and it goes by pretty quick, because the TV kind of flies by, so, but, um, yep, uh, let's say everything we have in North-South Connection, the Quad of Pods, the Triad of Pods, the Pod of Pods, whatever, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, as for me, I will be back in a couple of weeks to uh, continue on this trek to uh, No Way Out and eventual eventually wrestlemania 19 so i will see you then with another episode of the ruthless aggressive podcast see you later Your car's not there Yeah, you know the joke's on you You ever try your luck With a pickup line But you just sucked You tell yourself it wasn't you And I know it's hard To hold it inside It's days like So